Yes, I mean you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Warui Desho podcast. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you could support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at Show at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and envies. Welcome to Stream of Thought, Waroi Desho's episodic blog where we talk about currently airing stuff. This particular season, we're talking about Darling in the Franc. <laughs> le Franc, oui, mon garçon, le Franc. Je ne comprends pas français. I do not understand French. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I heard you, but I, don't, I actually don't know how to respond. <laughs> I can understand what you said, but I don't know how to respond. I, can, I guess I could just say we, oui. we, oui. si, senor, a little bit. <laughs> um, well, I'm a subtle doctor, the non-French person, and that other delightful voice you've heard is that my constant companion here, uh, space traveler, spandex wearer, <laughs> fan of pickles, old and new, Shadon. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, I have a question for you, Dot. Before we be- before we begin, yeah. Do you do you reckon Papa does preach, or does Papa don't preach? <laughs> um, you have no idea. I think this episode <laughs> how relevant that song is. Think about it. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty clear that he does. Oh, he's going to preach something. This I just want Kokoro now to do a cover of that. That would be the most amazing <laughs> oh thing ever. Oh man. I've been holding that in since the weekend. Of course, you know, if Darling and the Franks characters are going to do karaoke and have Papa Don't Preach, then Kokoro, after that, needs to do the B-side, needs to do the follow-up, like a virgin. Oh, (laughs) I haven't even thought that! (laughs) I mean, we've said before that the guys doing this show might be a bit oblivious to pop culture, and I'll be fair that Papa Don't Preach is not a recent song. <laughs> Maybe it just makes me old, but boy, it's still it's still funny. It's still funny to it me. Is. I mean, I actually put that as a joke in the metadata of one of our previous episodes, when Kokoro first finds the book, and boy, God, was that a prophecy. Like, you know, that... Like, that was my, you know, coming down from Mount Sinai right there. <laughs> With 
the tablets. The yeah. pregnancy book. Papa, Papa is going to preach. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, folks, this is episode 17, Eden. Almost old enough to buy booze. Oh, in your country, not in mine. Ah. Uh, <laughs> we got got tw- 21 here. It's 18 over there, correct? That is correct. Ah. Uh, lucky bastards. Speaking of lucky bastards, let's talk about the director and the writer. <laughs> That's a bad segue. But, uh, okay. So, creatives behind this episode. We have uh, directing Ryoji Masuyama. And Masuyama-san is a fellow that has worked for both A1 and Trigger before. Yet again, from the Idolmaster slash Idolmaster Cinderella Girls slash Idolmaster movie tree, uh, storyboarder, animator, assistant director, episode director on various parts of that, but also worked on some Gurren Lagann, also worked on Kill la Kill and Little Witch Academia, doing storyboarding, doing uh, key animation for certain bits and bobs of that. He's been a series director as, as well. He was the director for a television show. I'm going to guess... Less than 5% of our audience has seen this show in its entirety. Well, I've definitely not seen it, then. Blend S. Blend S. Blend S. It aired at the end of last year. Last last fall, so not even a year old. He directed that. Oh, it blended really well, then. Into the background. Oh, oh, oh. That dunk. <laughs> also, uh, he worked on Fractal did a little tiny thing for Fractale, but I still don't forgive him. I don't care. I don't care. Your involvement can be infinitesimal, but if you're involved with that show, I hate you. I don't I don't forgive him for this episode either, so, you know, it's just mounting <laughs> up at this point. Uh, and the scriptwriter for this week oh, is... Oh, right. Uh, let me take notes. Naotaka Hayashi, uh, that one of the head writers. We mm-hmm. haven't seen Hayashi, though, since uh, The Beast and the Prince, episode 13, the flashback episode. Oh, the one that he conveniently forgets to bring up again. Mm, yeah, that'd be the one. Yes. What, did they so finally he... let him out of his box again? You know, so he could, like, you know, <laughs> put pen and paper together and just no, smash or get scripted. He's been helping Reno Yamazaki and Hiroshi Seko write episodes since then. He's Nothing is going to, you know, go out the door without him at least looking at it. But yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, he's the scriptwriter this week, so... Uh, that might explain why some stuff happens. Although he has written episodes where very little happens, so I don't even know, man. But yeah, there we go. Those are our people. I'll say this, at least he's consistent. He either writes episodes where jack and shit happens, or he writes episodes where just plain shit happens. Heyo. Heyo. Just just saying. He wrote Boys X Girls where everything happened. Where Uh. everything happened. Okay. So, here we go. I have a lot of notes this week. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of notes. I have a lot of bile. <laughs> Some of them I have scratched out. Uh, because I was things took a turn that I was not expecting. I found this episode to be fairly surprising in some ways. It was paced very quickly. <laughs> I feel like some a few things were confirmed and uh, steps down a few paths were finally taken. Like, you know, that... All the mysteries that have been set up throughout the show haven't necessarily been forgotten. That whether or not we like how they resolve them, 
that uh, some of them look to be like resolved and a big one for me uh was actually answered but we'll get into all that mm-hmm. just a preamble ahead of time folks you may or may not have Shadon guessed hates this <laughs> this in my opinion is the worst episode of the show wow easily what easily it's not worse than last week <laughs> no last week was just mediocre last week was just dead air this was actively offensive to me this episode i it was Ooh. either it was either an inconsistent you know mess that put more plot holes in it than a target downrange or it was flat out just making statements and putting worldviews out there that feel like they were from the 1950s and should have been given only to the baby boomer generation and, you know, should have been moved on since then. What's o- It's okay for characters to have those worldviews, though, I think. Not... Right? Oh, yeah. If, I mean, it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean the show is, like, putting them on a pedestal. Well, well, about that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but yes, in my opinion, I think this is the worst episode of the show. And maybe there's time for it to reco- the show to recover in the end, but if... If ever, like, I wanted a point in which I would switch this off and never come back to Darling in the Franks again, this would be the episode that would convince me to do it. Like, masochism be damned. And indeed, what I said previously in episode 16, when I said, okay, I'll go easy on, you know, the guys who are obviously struggling to make this show under a tight schedule. Not anymore. No. Kid gloves are off. <laughs> you've already... You've... <laughs> you... you... You are like the scripts of the show. You are flip-flopping week to week. Well, if only because I'm in response to what's happening. Like, no, I'm done. I'm done playing nice. Like, we'll get to the specifics, but I don't think there was a single moment in this episode that I ever didn't feel like dead air, that it wasn't actively contradicting or confusing compared to what's happened previously, or just plain fucking insipid. We'll we'll cover all of that in short time, but nope, this episode sucks balls. I fucking hated it. I thought it was up. But hey, let me just clarify again, though. As I've said before, if you feel differently than I or Doc or anyone else that matter, as long as you explain it constructively and you know you don't get pissy about it, that's fine. Art's not meant to be, you know, viewed objectively. There's no gold standard here or definitive facts about, you know, how you're meant to feel. I know that, you know, certainly I've seen some tweets from people who are not het, who found this episode to be utterly revolting. I am het. I still found it revolting. So I think that it depends on a lot of perspectives that you're going to bring in for yourself. Like your mileage is going to vary. So yeah. ultimately, how you feel is up to you. And I will not judge you. I will not dislike you for it. Although, we are going to be quoting uh, from a certain someone <laughs> later who... <laughs> I don't know who they are, and it doesn't matter. No, but, I don't I don't everyone know who they are. <laughs> but we'll get to this particular thing that I spied on Twitter later on. That, okay... Generally speaking, I am very willing to, you know, be open and fair to people who have, you know, different takes on a show. But there are exceptions. There are very much exceptions. So we'll get to the Brain Trust 20 minutes later. Oh boy. Oh boy. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's see, where do we begin? The beginning Uh, is a very good place to start. The beginning, yeah, okay. Thank you. Is that what the sound of music? Uh, well, it's like, if we're going to get all the musical references, I've got another coming up later, actually, that I'm quite fond of. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, all right. So, yes, at the beginning and the end of this show, uh, we, like last episode, I believe, 
uh, are in Hero's bedroom. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Mm, wow, wow, wow. Mm, in Hero's bedroom. <laughs> um, yeah, and Zero Two is talking about how everything ends, that nothing lasts forever. And so, just like this show, thank fuck for that. Yeah, right. That's what I was thinking the whole time. It's like some people are probably happy that this is coming to an end, but their their time at a uh, Mistleton, I guess, is is coming to an end. Right, is what she's referring to because it's time. It's time to go back to the front lines. The nines appear, Shadon. The nines appear, and uh, they are. Uh, not necessarily pleased at everything that's happening. <laughs> they say that, hey, look, this is no environment for kids to be living in. We've come here because Papa was worried about you. And then they begin to sow seeds of discord. And they're like, what did Nana and Hachi not tell you what was going on? Wink, wink. Um, yeah, this is what Alpha loves to do. Um, Miku and the others, or some others, I should say, respond quite positively. This Miku is crying. You know, and she's saying, like, she's so relieved that Papa sent and that uh, these these folks and that he hasn't forgotten about them. And like Zorame, and this is, I think, why Zorame and she make good partners. I think they're of a piece on this. It's like they they feel kind of most themselves, most alive when they're being useful mm-hmm. to this great Papa's greater kind of cause. Yeah, but he's not but he's not making them sit in the corner and think about what they did. Exactly. Right. The utility is very important to them. They've been, this is the way they've all been raised. And some of them have internalized it more than others. Cough, Kokoro, cough, cough. <laughs> you, there are other ways to live your life other than be useful to something. Oh, boy. Uh, ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is that evil laughter? It's God. just me thinking about um, this episode and how I just <laughs> want to set it on fire. <laughs> So what we get to later, I feel like, is is kind of a, a you like to um you you introduce me to this notion of counter narratives, mm. and I feel like Kokoro's stance is a bit of a counter narrative in a way to this idea of w- the essence of what we are as child soldiers. Like the the way we need to live our life is to be useful to Papa, is to pilot robots, you know, is to be machines of war mm-hmm. and uh and she ends up saying no there are other ways that there was enough there's another way there's another way just singular now that's not saying that kogro knows of other ways and is just being selective but she just knows of the one i'm being i'm being pedantic here because i hate the show yes well i think she says like maybe <laughs> maybe maybe there's another way right that and again then this is not her saying your way of life is bad people who love utility i think she's just saying there's another way mm-hmm. so but we'll we'll get to all this yes yes we will ah uh, so there's a scene by the way is it between Al- alpha and zero two? Oh, oh boy before that? oh boy that's is. the next thing i have yes please please <laughs> lead into that doc i am i'm okay. rubbing my hands because this is one of the things i hated about this episode this particular scene <laughs> my hands are well, warming like, I, well i hate it it makes you hate nine uh, no, or, oh, uh alpha no it makes me hate alpha it does um, but there's something else i don't like about it which uh, do you want to explain what happens in the scene or shall i well so what i have is that an alpha is asking her how long are you going to keep pretending to be human right mm-hmm. you know you 
you're different from them. We're different. You know, you are not one of them. And he calls her Yoda and she says, Mm, yes how feel you no no she says <laughs> it wasn't uh, i mean take that get it yoda <laughs> oh my yoda. god I, yoda grant the thief what are you Star doing Wars. here <laughs> that was a grant level pun i mean shout out to grant because his puns are like need to be banned at the un they are a, a weapon of mass destruction <laughs> But my God, I mean, okay, fair. I, I mean, okay, it is a woodland that does look like da- Dagobah, so okay, <laughs> I'll allow that. Uh but okay, so yes, Nine is yeah. having a chat with her. He, he, he calls her Yoda, uh, and she says, "My name is Zero Two. Mm. That's my name. Uh-huh. I reject the name that this false hierarchy, you know, Papa and and those folks gave me. Uh-huh. My darling, my darling." My darling gave me the name Zero Two, uh, so that's the name that I prefer. Uh, he refuses to call her by by her her chosen name and keeps calling her Iota. Okay, and that that made me really dislike him a lot. You're not meant to like him from the start, though. I don't think there's been a point in which from which from which he was introduced that he was ever meant to be anything other than a cartoon villain. Oh no no no! Well, I just meant it reinforced that. Oh yeah. Okay, so Doc, I'm going to evoke some bad memories for you now. Are you ready? Uh, I, I'm not sure with that sort of preface that I can ever be ready, but go, go for Do it. Do you remember the little anime that couldn't called Phantom Requiem for the Phantom? <laughs> of course I do. Yeah. How could I forget? Yeah. There's a phantom shaped scar in my brain. Yeah. If you were to open up my skull, you'd see what's his face. Reiji staring up at you. Yep. I've got Scythe Master tattooed lines. on my, you know, frontal lobe <laughs> and it certainly wasn't something I asked for. But okay, for, by the way, second time I've mentioned Scythe Master in this entire stream of thought. <laughs> I know. The best. Scythe Master is the best. He is great. I mean, Scythe ba- can you imagine what Scythe Master and Dr. Franks would get up to if they worked together? <laughs> That's a supervillain Perry right there. <laughs> they are like the League of the League of bullshit. The League of Doom, yeah. Alright, okay, yeah. okay. So. He'll be all like, can I rub lotion on the pilots? Like, no, we're doing an experiment. Go away. It would be for Nana to do that. But, okay. Um, for those of you who may not know, uh, we don't just, of course, do Stream of Thought. We have done longer feature-length podcasts. We've been going for, like, two plus years. We'll continue. We'll continue to do those. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to line up one at some point for Land of the Lustrous, and we also do have Angel's Egg coming out fairly soon with uh, the very fine folks from Anime is Lit. Shouts to them. I know that Danny will be listening. Yep. Danny, you're a swell guy. And a swole guy. Oh, yeah. Brother. That was a really bad Hulk Hogan impression. I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) Hulkamania is going to run wild on me tonight for doing that. I slandered his name. But, okay. So, way back when, uh, we did an episode on a show that I watched a long, long time ago called Phantom Requiem for the Phantom. It was 26 episodes long, and it was like flossing with steel wool. (laughs) It felt like fucking 200 episodes it felt like it took years <laughs> off my life like i did i didn't have hair then but if i did i'd probably have it it'd be as gray as that kid from 26 has turned out to be you know it just prematurely age me i'd be looking for a withered husk i don't know how i survived it now without getting too much into the detail of that particular show by the way you can feel free to have a listen to our podcast on if you want to know how bad it is and also because it recently did apparently come back out on crunchyroll because People make mistakes, you know. What? Yeah, apparently it's back on Crunchyroll or possibly Funimation. It's one of the two. It's up there. Don't watch it. It's bollocks. 
but someone read the fucking Necronomicon. I yeah, <laughs> came back from the dead. The fool no. of the time. <laughs> um, but yes, in that show there is a guy and there is a girl, and the girl is a hyper competent, you know, assassin whose name is a is a number. And does that start to sound a little familiar to you folks? Because it probably should. I'm going somewhere with this. Halfway through the show, there is, of course, events... Ah, but her but her number is in German, so it's entirely different. Are we going back to the languages thing we had at the start here? <laughs> God damn it, Doc. I mean, the only, the only German I know is from Rammstein. <laughs> <laughs> That's good German, though. You can't, you can't fault that German. It's impeccable. I mean, we're all living in America is German, right, isn't it? That's totally German, because it's in a German accent. Um, anyway, the long twisted part I was going to get to here is that she gets a new name given to her by the guy. Erin, specifically. Uh, by the way, mm-hmm. when, about the German thing, because I feel like bringing this back up from our Phantom cast, uh, in German, her number is Ein, so he had one letter because he was an imaginative piece of shit. Uh, by the way, Reiji and Hero resemble each other in a lot more ways than I'd like now, the more I think about it. <sighs> so, okay. I took very severe umbrage to this, as you might say. Well, that, that's true. At least Zero Two and Aaron don't resemble each other mm-hmm. very much. Thank God. I thought, well, look, well, that's what, listen to the cast. Wait, let's not get sidetracked. But, <laughs> okay, yeah. but I took very severe umbrage with that idea of him naming her. Because, you know, this is her being deprogrammed and then forming a new life after the fact. So she's essentially substituted one uh, master of sorts for another. You know, I'm not naming myself right. here. That is mm-hmm. pretty much note for note what's happened now with her saying that to, to, to Nine. At least to me mm. it is. So I have a slight, I slightly disagree. But I, I totally see where you're coming from. But I think she was given the name Yoda by Papa. And when she was a kid, you know, because they didn't know how to talk to each other, Hero called her zero two uh no but and but 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 but, but, but zero two was the number on her collar on, on her anger. on her collar yeah, right which right. is important by the way because it means that even though she's rejecting the name that papa gave her she's also accepting the name that papa gave her oh whoopty fuckity do wouldn't you know well so i don't i think it's entirely different because i think in her like in her older adult self like she knows all this and she, she's choosing it like and and this is kind of one of those moments where she's taking a stand and like she is choosing her name. No, da- like, she specifically she... said, "Darling, chose my name for me." No, yeah. I know, and but 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 it's valid because she acknowledges it, not because he chose it. I'm still not down with it though because she's she's choosing it. She's choosing it like to to sort of like how the, how so what the what's the right way to phrase this? Like I don't know. We could I ah. I need to say as well, like. She knows that that number came from that collar around her ankle. When did she have that collar on her ankle? When she was being tortured. So she's taking a name on that was given to her by someone else that is a memory of a time when she was treated as just a, a test subject. So, but could she read at the time? I mean, who knows if she even saw it or, or knew what it meant? I mean, we saw it because we're viewing the flashback. But... Uh, quite possibly, but I'm just, I can't fathom how she wouldn't have linked that together. Point being... I'm not down with Hero picking her name for her. I mean, I know that was her his skit from way back when, but I wouldn't have been happy with it even before this. Because again, this is Zero Two's agency diminishing little by little over time, diluting away. And see, I don't agree. I I think this is 
this is like I think she's I think her choosing it now and and as an old her older you know version of herself is her exercising agency I mean just because she's not inventing a new thing and choosing a choice that's been uh, like presented to her like already I mean I feel like she could make up a new one but like she likes this name it's a name that she wants for her own reasons no because because it was given to her by the guy i know well that's a her reason that's, like that's the reason that's not that great that's not great reason for a character who's been betrayed been betrayed this time has been free thinking you know to, to go with like you know she's like i said her free spirit you know her doing her own thing going away bit by bit and this is just confirmation of that mm. Don't agree. Well, we will have to agree to disagree on this. Movie, one. Well, fair enough then. But like I say, I view it much the same way as I view it with Phantom, and mm-hmm. I'm not happy with it. I've like if it had just been something oh, that she's to, always. To me, they're so different because, like, she's like you said, she's being deprogrammed in Phantom. She's wasn't zero too much the same. Just this whole blank slate, and uh, not anymore. She's totally her own woman right now. Mm-hmm. And to to an extent, so was Erin, but you know, no. I would say no, that. no, not not. In, I don't think so in any way. Oh god, wait, at that point, just listen to the cast, folks. But, but we'd have to like <laughs> they're not watching that show again. To, no, let's have to rewatch Phantom for the third time. No, no, no. I would lit. I would literally. Uh. I would literally rather deep throat a car exhaust. No, not happening. <laughs> not while not as I live and breathe. Oh, okay. Moving on. So, uh, oh man, <laughs> we didn't talk about this uh, off air yet, but. Uh, but I can't even imagine what you have to say about uh, about this. Like, uh, Hero has horns. Oh, I laughed. I laughed my ass off when I saw it. I was like, ah! <laughs> I, okay, right. I have said before that, you know, I want there to be visual clues towards Hero, you know, becoming a Klaxon. We're getting that now. I have one small minor question, though, which is that is that not really painful for him? Like, the protrusions are under his skin. They've not broken through yet. That should really fucking hurt. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt her to file her horns down. So I don't know. Maybe there's just not a lot of pain associated with. I'm it. referring to it, like bursting out from the skin. Like you've ever had a zit. No, no, I know. I'm just saying. Like perhaps, perhaps that's the conceit. Is that all things to do with horns are not like painful? Oh, I don't know. If you're a Spanish bullfighter. Then again, you then again, if you're a Spanish bull, bullfighter, Ayo. you fucking deserve it, in my opinion. But that's a di- opinion for a different time. Anyway, uh, this scene, by the way, which this happens, is um, you know, it's all very sweet and all that. But at this point, I've kind of written off Hero as being a likable character or an individual, so I don't care. Um, but what I did find amusing is that two things: one, Zero Two's like literally says that she ate the entire book, which she did, and. There's something about the way that she describes that that I found really funny. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I ate the book, and then now I can remember mm-hmm. it all. Like, I know that, you know, this, like, did she once, like, you know, get a copy of Reader's Digest and suck it literally? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> like, come on, Zero. That's a good joke. Come on, Zero, too. <laughs> uh... And the other thing that just proves to me, at least, or gives me more, you know, things I can point to for Hero is a self-centered piece of shit, is... He himself has been drawing, and his drawings are shit. But do you want his drawing is off? They're bad. <laughs> it's just of the prince. Is it a prince and a princess, even a bad one? Nope. It's just him. The prince. 
What a Gosh, tip. no quarter given. What if he just started? <laughs> he drew it right in the middle. He's very embarrassed. He drew it right in the <laughs> middle. Picture. So he wasn't leaving any oh. space or anything else. Just in big center of the fucking universe. Oh, boy. Can you tell I don't like that character? That, I'm just going to say I think you're reading a lot into that. That's not, big, <laughs> that's not a big complaint for me, mind you. I'm just saying that, you know, I don't care for him. And that's like, you know, the small, like, that's like the sub-paragraph bit on the long list of things I could point to for him being a piece of shit. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not really that bothered, to be honest. No, yeah. Oh, sure. Like, well, I think, you know, like a lot of things in this show, the idea of sorification and the process of it is not as tightly uh, scripted, not as tightly written and bound together as you'd like, but I think now we're finally getting like a continuation of that that began with the techno cancer. <laughs> no, no, it's no, no, it's the Dino Age doc. We were corrected by Swanee. That's right. That's I, well. Listen, like I said, I think find that offensive to dinosaurs, <laughs> so I will not call it that. I will continue to call it the Shadon branded term techno cancer because <laughs> I like it. Good old techno cancer. But so that is the, you know the first part of it. Like it's clearly a thing that humans are not supposed to undergo. It's deadly. But as you pointed out earlier, you know, because he's drunk her blood, he was able to survive this. Um, That and, you know, he has the super robot, hot-blooded manliness able to overcome all obstacles. Hard work and Uh, Jesus, etc. Yeah, uh uh-huh, 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 Ganbare. So, yeah, that started, and then, you know, it got brought up again during the flashback episode when there was a mind meld happening. And because they've been riding together also uh, they, they theorize you know these horns are coming out so so finally i think like we can say or at least i will think for now provisionally that okay the the techno cancer was not like this thing that they just forgot about or that happened without without them following up on it now did they was it planned like this all along i don't think so nope. i think We've, I think we've all known, and it's out of the bag at this point that they're, that they're writing it on the fly. But at, at least they're trying, I think, to tie this stuff together. <laughs> so <laughs> headbutts, headbutts happen in the scene, and they are cute. Is is it is it is it sexual if the hearts touch though, Doc? That's the question I want to know. That's a a very important question. They, they I think she pointed that out in like episode three. That she called them a perv for staring at her horns. Oh my god. I've just... I've had a really, really funny thought. But I'm going to save it for... That they're both horny for each other? Is that the funny thought? That's a funny thought! So, okay. Uh, Folks at home, (laughs) have you ever taken a piece of A4 paper and scrunched it into a bottle? That's my facial expression right now after Doc said that. Like... Oh. oh my god. No, um, I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, because it'll be relevant later when we get a certain fact about Zero Two uh, revealed to us at the end. But just let me put it this way to you, Doc. Male seahorses. It'll be relevant later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Impregnate hero. <laughs> oh, it's Junior all over again. Fuck. Oh, it's, it's also it's also uh, you know, look. This show has some terms from Norse mythology, and there is a very famous story in Norse mythology in which the man, the half-god, half-giant, Loki, gets pregnant. 
Wait, 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 wait. He's half man, half. He's half and half. He's the god of trickery mm-hmm. because he's trick meets. <laughs> oh my god, that's like that was like the universe brain moment right fucking there. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! Like you literally said Loki, and I thought right, he's half one thing, half another, and that's what hero is right now. Loki was the god of trickery. What did uh, the god of trickery do? That's referenced this episode. Paul's brags like he pulled a trick on Mitsu, like you know, with the promise breaking. Oh man. Hero's not Jesus, he is Loki. Oh no. <laughs> well, then the thing that he will birth will be the eight-legged horse Sleipnir. Because <laughs> that's, not only is Loki pregnant, Loki births a horse. Because uh, in, it's a long story, but he had to distract another horse, and it was critical that he do so. And so he disguised himself, transformed into a mare, and to distract the other horse, uh, he led him away. And they did, you know, the horse sex, and Loki became impregnated. And he had a very long face. Yes. And so there, there you have Sleipnir. Yes. Uh, Odin's favorite, uh, the eight-legged horse. By the way, uh, by, by Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology, because I know Doc's been reading that, and that's where he got the info from. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> that book is really good. Hey, Neil Gaiman's got my vote. Like, if Neil Gaiman did Darling in the Franks, it would be fucking spectacular. Oh. <sighs> Dude, he would not even, like, I don't even want to, we can't go here. No, let, let, <laughs> let's like, go there. There's so much he would if I have a problem with. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not right. saying he would retool it from the ground up, but I'd still... yeah, Yes, exactly. You'd be like, uh, please... look, Trigger, we got to completely go back to square one here. And, and sorry, A1, everything bad about the show is A1's fault. Yeah. Everything good is Trigger's. That's how it goes. Yeah. I mean, you seen this shit? It's called Coraline. It was pretty good. I'm going to do my own fucking <laughs> similar thing for the show. All right. So let's just jump out of it. By the way, again, Zero Two, photographic memory, able to reproduce these pictures from, holy crap, like, what was she doing? Watching Bob Ross? <laughs> I guess she's naturally gifted. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. I mean. Oh, um, before I forget. Per- perhaps she read in the library how to draw. Uh, who can say? But she's good at everything. So, who can say? I mean, she's good at basketball. It's true. <laughs> yes. By the way, in this scene, they're doing, I forgot this, about that. they're doing this by candlelight. And I really thought as they were talking and we're looking at the candle, it was going to blow out. And I was just like, oh, my God, please don't do that. Like, but. <laughs> That would have been the most cliched fucking thing ever. It would have. Oh, bloody hell. Uh, but even though, like, a cliche thing does sort of happen in this scene, like, I was complaining last episode about my kind of apathy toward what was happening, but the scene where they have the headbutt, you know, they kiss, she looks at his picture, like, she pounces on him, has that w- wonderful, you know, zero two face. And just as bursts out laughing at his shitty drawing, like, that made me smile. I could not not smile. I smiled in spite of myself because, god damn it, these characters, I guess I do kind of like them a little bit. At least these persons. Here. I like one of them. Yeah. It was all about zero. <laughs> I don't know. It made, me, it made me smile. She's the one with the personality. I mean, what's Hero's personality? Good answer. Um, Great answer there, Doc. Nothing. Jesus? <laughs> ah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so, the next part, right, is is where things uh, shift into high gear somewhat. The Nines find Kokoro's heretical book. Ah, your booklet. Yes, that you're she right. drops. Yes. So, 
Good old, good old, like, they're in a lecture hall, by the way. I didn't even realise there was one in Misselheim, which I found quite funny. Like, what the fuck were they teaching him in there? <laughs> Isn't that the brief, is that just the briefing room, or is that, no, like, a they, different room? No, it's, 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 a le- <laughs> it's a lecture hall, like you find in the university. The briefing room was, like, yeah, a, just they were... couches in a big open area. Learning Norse mythology, clearly. I mean, like I said on Twitter, like, you know, nine just going through it, okay, uh, reproduction, childbirth, fetus, 69, uh, missionary, cowgirl, reverse cowgirl, uh-huh, mm. Mm. and eating out, and this is not a list of, you know, places to go for takeaway. <laughs> and then D- DJ Khaled comes, slides into the frame. <laughs> he's like, shut this shit down. Oh, fuck that guy. He does not know what he's talking about. <laughs> That's probably telling people a bit more than they need to know about my own history, but I don't really care. <laughs> DJ Khalid, you're a Man. fucking nitwit. Another one. He says that a lot. Okay, so yeah. The Nines are in a dark room brooding over this the book they found, right? That Kokoro dropped that all the way back in, I believe it was episode 7, The Beach. Yep. Uh, she discovered in the dilapidated city, uh, clearly the good doctor... Yas und hallo, guten tag, did you mention me, pinch, pinch? Uh, wanted <laughs> pinch, wanted pinch. her to find... Why, is he a fucking lobster? I mean, I know exactly what you're referring to, but oh my god. <laughs> yeah, right. So, like, the, the, clearly that she was supposed to find this. Like, that's... And we'll we'll kind of, I think, that is in some ways close the book, book on this oh, later this episode. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, yeah. I mean... But, Frank's but they're looking. not happy. So, yeah, Frank... Th- yes. So, like, Frank's uh, and the Nines, and, uh, you know, by extension, Papa, like, they are on... I don't necessarily want to say they're different factions, but F- Frank's is, like, doing things on the sly. Like, this experiment has gone... Uh, if I guess pa- surely Papa knows that they're doing it and he has to know, but like the extent of the things that they're doing and tests they're performing, I don't think he knows. Mm-hmm. Who who can say? But then again, I haven't really got the impression that Papa and you know the guys at Ape are you know playing with a full deck, especially given what happens later in this episode when some of them oh Ape yeah when some of them <laughs> decide to go visit the Claxosaur Princess. Uh, oh, clarification by the way, I said in the previous episode that Zero Two was the Claxosaur Princess. I was mistaken. I think the dialogue got me confused a little bit. I thought they were referring to her, but they're actually... I thought so, too! But they are but, actually referring to... The, but they were talking about her, the... Sarah the Kerrigan. Yeah. Right. Oh, by the way, Sarah yeah, Kerrigan weird. does do a Sarah Kerrigan by stabbing with, a, you know, her blade wings in this one. I mean, not even trying to hide where they got this from at this point. <laughs> she has her, her dual serpents, her cobras, which I found interesting given the fact that like the hoods on the suits of the squad 13 people resemble cobras also mm-hmm. um just some you know i don't even know if that means anything but that's just some interesting imagery we'll get we'll get cobras. we'll get to see the bix there's a couple of things i want to say about it uh some of which were funny and some of which just really really annoyed me but anyway top five snakes the cobra cobra is easily number one cobra commander that's what she is gi <laughs> joe I wish I could do a Cobra Commander voice. Like, that's... I mean, it's brutal. It would just destroy one's throat to even try, but... I'll gi- what a great voice. I'll give it a try at some point. I reckon I could do a decent job of it. I'll blow up the ocean! <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
Oh, that's a bad one. That's real bad. Uh, look, okay. It needs work, right? It needs work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, needs workshopping. Okay, let's see. Where are we? Oh, yeah, the greenhouse. And things do get steamy in greenhouses, don't they? Oh, yes. oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're... Uh, Mitsuru and Kokoro are together in the greenhouse again, and she's once again, you know, she's brushing his hair because he can't do it's that a himself. Regular thing, I guess. <laughs> I, Listen, no, if, no, no, I'm joking. If your girlfriend I'm... will brush your hair. I know, I know. I'm taking the mic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that can't happen with me, though. Oh, oh. Well, your beard. Brush the beard. Life goals. Brush, brush the beard. Get the beard brushed. Gonna get, yes. gonna get me a lady um, who will brush me beard. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so she, you know, asks him, like, uh, when we when we get rescued, will our time together end, right? Because I guess the greenhouse, like, as a place kind of represents their relationship. Like, they've been meeting up there since before they really had a thing, and it's their special place, and, you know, they're going to lose that. Like, I, the, the idea, I guess, is that they will be rescued from Mistleton. And that the greenhouse will be not a part of their life anymore. So will our time together in? Well, Mitsuru admits, thank God, uh, he's his his icy black heart is unthawing. Right? He admits that he'd be sad. Right? If it if it ended, and Kokoro uh, feels stirrings and appears to be like going through a bit of sexual awakening, and she is telling him, look, hey, you know what I read in a book? That a boy and girl, if they get together, can create life. And new life, it could be a new hope for us if we if we do that. Let's do this. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Zip. No, 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 Doc. What she means by that is we could start Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, life finds a way. We can make it happen. <laughs> yes. We can, you know, when a boy and a girl get together, they can go to a test lab and they can revive dinosaurs for profit fucking brilliant that's a plan right there no of course that's not the case at all <laughs> mild observation this is not really a criticism just but like why does she go for unzipping his top and not his pants first i know that sounds like a strange thing to say but like that's a full like foreplay kind of thing i mean the mm-hmm. only thing that she knows is what the book said which is literally you know one thing goes in another and well let me ask you this how much th- how much thinking are you doing in cases like that? I, I don't know. It feels like it's written like she's got the full, like, you know, societal experience that we would have about how sex goes, you know, like, and foreplay. Wasn't, well, but, right, right. Well, it doesn't, what starts her down that path, though, is, like, she puts her hand on his back and his shoulder and his peck and says, like, you know, your body feels differently, like, mine is soft, but yours feels sturdy, like, and I, I don't she know. Just it's, it wants to get a, more of a feel. I, honestly, <laughs> I'm not, it's just an observation more than anything else. I just thought... It seems like it's written a bit too much with the, you know, knowledge of the writers not being divorced from the knowledge that they... That, no, yeah, that's fair. Well, I think it might be a, cons- a constraint of television. Yeah, it's right? my... Yeah, like... You, like, they can't have her grabbing his junk or something. They, it is... Yeah, that's fair. I mean, after all, as well, like, it's a codified thing. You and I recognize it the moment it happens when she starts taking that zipper down that she's not checking if he's the one who's got techno cancer. So, you know... Hey... It's just a medical exam. By the way, uh, meets meets through his face throughout all of this. He looks like he's about to be. <laughs> like, he is sweating bullets. He looks like he's he looks like he's not got Kokoro from spin, but one of the fucking worm monsters from Tremors. <laughs> oh god. He's not the only one with a funny face this episode, though. Yeah, we'll get to you in a minute, Doughboy, you piece of shit. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. So Mitsuru says no, ultimately. I mean, he's he's feeling it, but he doesn't understand what he's feeling, and it's scary. Uh, and so... Zorame cop blocks him as well. He rejects her, and then Zorame, you know, yapping dog comes in. What are you two doing? You know, I just imagined, right, like, this is not obviously what was in this episode, but I just imagined that when this was going on, Zorame was watching and his face was pressed up against the glass of the greenhouse as flat as it could go. <laughs> Breathing hard. <Yeah. laughs> He's having to wipe it away every two seconds. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I want that. Yeah. That needs to be a deleted... You know what? I reckon Dog and the Franks would have some fantastic deleted scenes of bloopers. Oh my gosh. Probably so. I, you know what, actually? Would, just, yes. I'm just going to throw this out there as a, as a general take, not even release this show. We've all seen Pixar movies and how they do their bloopers at the end, which obviously are not real bloopers, but, you know, jokes and such. Like, mm-hmm. one of my favourites being from Bugs Life, where, like, are you trying to, do you find me funny? And she goes, yes! <laughs> and then poor Hopper just walks back, like, I can't take this. I can't say this. I'll be in my trailer. <laughs> um, like, I would <laughs> love it if, like, you know, a studio at some point just literally did bloopers like that. I mean, that would be so funny, but... Not that I'll be that, not that I'll ever happen, of course. But pipe dream, hey, you know. Okay, so uh, hero and I almost said zero. Hero and Mitsuru. <laughs> oh, by by the way, before you say anything about this next bit, right? Um, Mitsuru's gone to the lake, like to fish, because he's brought a bucket with him, or he's possibly gone to collect water. And we have mm-hmm. a hard cut from him doing that, and the hero arriving, instead of lying in the lake in their underwear, and I'm like, when the fuck did this happen? <laughs> did he bring his like swim trucks with him because if he didn't then well you know thighs are gonna rub together it's gonna be gross as fuck what the hell like this this cut was so hard and so nice degrees i almost got whiplash from it they're always ready for skinny dipping that's a rule that's on one of the the chore wheel you have to always be ready to get naked and swim with your with your uh compadre speaking of that uh, they can now mark that water source off the map because that's been fouled <laughs> not thinking this through are they <laughs> oh no hero's ass has been in this water well he well he is <laughs> well he is shit so yeah ah oh, yeah okay so they are discussing stuff like mitsuru clearly only wants to talk about like his thing with kokoro but hero brings up of course like you know the promise he broke mm-hmm. and mitsuru like you know acknowledges it but like i know that you would like for them to kind of hash it out and discuss it um it would be for the benefit of everyone not not just them both to them to actually reveal this because as i said before Mm -hmm. the reason he broke the promise was because he had his memory scrambled by you know the adults and that then of course ties into what happened with zero two like you can imagine how this conversation would play out well okay i forgot the promise because the adults scrambled my memory why they scramble your memory? Well, events of episode 13 recounted. Oh my god, we've. This has completely upended our world. The adults are shitheads. Like, you know, they've tortured Zero Two, who's one of us. So, once again, this anime, you know, this particular show, takes a chance to actually explore the drama of one of the bigger reveals of its entire plotline and just doesn't do anything with it. Well, I don't think it's as easy as, as that to deprogram someone who's been under their you know the servitude of this sort of structure their entire life you know if you if you poke a hole in it like they're gonna find ways to rationalize it uh, yeah but at least they'd have tried i mean i'm not asking for them to succeed here i'm asking for at least to attempt it but 
Well, there's another, I think another maybe more plausible explanation. Like we were talking about this a little bit before. Maybe like Hiro just wants to like, maybe he just hasn't forgiven himself. Right. And by keeping this information to himself, you know, he just, he still gets to be like blamed. Because it still uh, happens. He's right? Jesus I mean, no matter and he's dying for the sin. Yeah. Uh... No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no matter like what the reason was, he still broke the promise. And so maybe that like is just so shitty that. Yeah. But, but before, I mean, to contradict my own point just now, like in the hospital, uh, in, in a previous episode, Hiro and Mitsuru shared this look of understanding. It seemed, it seemed to be like, Mitsuru was non-verbally saying, I know, mm. I know what happened. Like I'm not, and, and you've pointed out like that there's not been a verbal kind of communication from one to another about it. So I don't know where he would have picked up that information from. No, they, I think, I think as you have said, they have come to an understanding at this point that's allowing them to move on. But again, I must stress folks, this is not just necessarily about them discussing what it means for them both. Like, this is relevant to every single person. It's relevant to Zero too. It's how we would have avoided the drama that I complained about in 14. Like, the longer they keep, the show keeps doing this, the more it keeps pushing, pushing this book down the road of not actually talking about it. I mean, I'm not even talking about them succeeding in it. I'm not saying that, as you said, quite rightly, that they would change their worldview. Like, Zara may be like, nah, that don't, like, I don't buy that for a moment. That's bollocks. But at least they would be doing something with that information and actually making use of it. Like, you don't set up something right. that big that you devote an entire episode to it and just continually ignore it. Hell, they did bring it up in this episode because in that very same scene we discussed with Hero and Zero Two in the drawings, they do mention that they knew that their memories had been scrambled. How do they talk about it? Like they just fell down, bumped their head, and they got a concussion. That's how they forgot. As opposed to, oh yeah, I was tortured. And, you know, they erased your memories. Mm. I would have actually killed you if they got the chance. So, you know, that's apparently, to me, it's important. If I were writing this, I would make something of it more than nothing. Mm-hmm. That's my complaint. But I've said that many times before, so I'll not, you know, I'll not teach people to suck eggs by going back over it again. So, yeah. <laughs> what an expression. <laughs> <laughs> so the next line I have in my notes simply reads, God damn it, Futoshi. Oh, right, right. Oh, do you want to tell the audience or shall I about what no. this... No. Pre- I, I will. I will. Right. So... Hiro and Mitsuru get back to the magic meeting room and everyone's there and somehow it's been revealed to the rest of the group. I can't exactly remember how, even though I did watch this like half an hour ago, but really I'm just kind of like red mist again, you know, of this whole thing. But they basically figured out at this point that, you know, Mitsuru and Kokoro are now an item. And the way, in fact, no, I know how this happened because Zorame was the one who sold them. That's right. <laughs> what happens if, like, the boys and girls press up against each other? Yeah. What happens then? It looks, army. it's huddling for warmth, right? Do you not know how penguins work? God, man! I'm like, my imitation of Azorame may suggest derision, but I genuinely like the character a lot. But yeah, no, he is just sort of clueless about all this. Zorame's gonna Zorame. I mean, it is consistent with him. He was the one who said, wait, what's kissing, hero? Let us kiss! Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does kiss? In the one really funny moment of yeah. the episode, just because of his facial expression. This is also why I get yes. very sad we didn't get to see him pressing his face against the glass. I That, I think, would have been amazing. But, okay, Zorame is, you know, because he's a fucking gossip, has told everyone. Now, 
in this scene, as this discussion is happening, I'm actually looking at the still frame of it right now. We've got a long shot of the room. Sorame's on the right. The girls are all sat in the middle. Goro's just kind of there, you know, thinking he's too fucking good for this show, and I'd agree with that. Uh, we've got Hero meets through his heads, <laughs> and in the left is quivering, gibbering Saka shit himself, Fitoshi. Uh, Fitoshi oh, grabs no. Mitsuri by the neck and shakes him and goes, did you kiss? And then, after that, he says, while he's like kind of half-balling, shaking, no, my Kokoro! My, my Kokoro. Which, the only way that him saying that would have been acceptable to me was if he was doing a cover of My Sharona, but just replacing yeah. that with Kokoro. But he didn't even do that. Alright, okay, let's talk about this a little bit. I mean... The f- it being bad is obvious. Like this does not even need to be stated. But let me just say, in context of how I've reacted to Fatoshi previously, I did kind of go to bat for him a little bit in episode eleven. Now I'll grant you, my perspective was I thought both he and Kokoro were in the wrong, and if nothing else, they're both consistent for their inability to properly talk or articulate, or at least in Fatoshi's case, being a creepy fuck. So I did go to bat for him a little bit previously, uh, but I did also, you know, admit that he was a creeper. And it seemed to me from that one time, you know, afterwards that he and Kokoro had kind of come to understanding, you know, they're like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Uh, no. Didn't they have like a moment in the mechs as well where they like, uh, one, they saved each other or they were watching each other's backs or something? And it was like, oh, they, they can coexist now. Yeah. They, they kind of. We don't have to go through this bullshit. Yeah, they did. So I, you know, went to bat for him. No more. <laughs> if, Ito- if Itoshi ends up as roadkill in this show, if he's the one who does die, you will not hear me shed a tear. Like, good riddance to bad rubbish. I have nothing that I particularly want, you know, to say in his defense. I can't defend it. Like, whatever you might think about Kokoro, and Lord knows I've thought plenty about her actions, both in this episode and in previous. Like, she is very drastically declined in my estimations for a variety of reasons. She does not belong to anyone. Much as Zero Two doesn't, funnily enough. So, Fatoshi, no. Shut the fuck up. And you know what the problem with this, like, you know, that's just me reacting viscerally to this character. But here's mm-hmm. the problem with this, right? This is played as a joke. This is played for comedy based on the music that plays of it. No. No. This is not funny. I don't, I mean, okay, culture and all that. Maybe this is funny in Japan. Oh, you know, it's... The fat guy being a loser. The fat guy being a loser who covets after a girl. Yeah. No. No. That, it's a miss. That whole, that's a whole miss for me. Shit. Just another, you know, another piece in the listening of shit that is this episode, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, not... It's not often I get to use the word listening, so kudos to it for that. Hey, there you go. Um, define Catholic word litany. But no, look. Uh, Futoshi, I wish he was better. Uh, like, I wish that they did better by him. He doesn't need to because, be in this show. Yeah. He flat out does not need to be in here at all. He is a superfluous character. Just, no. Yeah. Why is he here? And even, even last episode, I felt like, okay, the whole thing about him being sick and... Like him being like, well, no, actually, like, I'm not just, like, doing this for diet's sake. Like, I'm really sick. I don't know. I thought they were, like, going somewhere better, but they returned to this, and it was not great. So hopefully they will now stay away from it now that uh, Kokoro and Mitsuru are more tightly bound together than ever uh, by the end of this one. Oh, for sure they are. Ho, ho, ho. Now. 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 (sighs) Ah. 
Can I so, can I say something before we get into this next scene? Yeah. Uh, this is actually an open request to our audience here. Now, here's the thing, right? I'm going to throw it out there. I'm het. I'm cis. Doc is het. Doc is, Doc is cis as well. I, am I right? I'm not not wrong on that front, am I? Nope. 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 As far as I know. No. Uh, no. You know, the bo- the bo- our books are not closed until they are, but at, provisionally, that is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the thing, folks, right? We've done a podcast on a video game in which we discussed um, a depiction of LBGTQ plus character, or supposedly one. And I think that, you know, for people like me and Doc, who are here, who are cis, I mean, Jesus Christ, I'm also white and bald, so I am literally one involuntary arm gesture away from being a white supremacist. Oh my god. So, you know, really, I do look like it's a amazing. I have a skinhead, basically. So, I think it's important, though, for people like us, when we're discussing issues like this that, you know, probably come across very differently to other genders and other... Is to tell them that we know all the answers. Absolutely. <laughs> and by god, if anyone disagrees with me, you're just a gender communist or something. I don't know. I mean, like... These communists are all hate free speech and they're wrong yeah once again we are being cut. attacked for presenting new ideas thank you Kanye cut, West. Kick, marketplace of ideas cut kick oh god so in all seriousness right with what we're about to talk about if you yourself feel differently to my aggressive left blah blah bleh, kill me i know but if you feel differently to either me or doc and me and doc even feel differently on this scene um i actually want you to tell us about it I want to be educated mm-hmm. by people who, because I know that I've seen some people who find that what happens in this episode incredibly offensive. Uh, people who are yes. pe- women, um, people who are not cis, who are not het, and I want to be educated. Like I said way back earlier in the show, when I kind of misunderstood like the whole thing about Kuno and Mitsuru. Like I want to be better. I want to learn, and I've I've sure got opinions about what happens in this. But I want to hear opinions from other people, particularly the people who probably do fight. Because let's put it this way, this show is meant to be flattering to guys who are het and who are cis. There's no avoiding that, I think, at this point. <laughs> it's very flattering. Yeah, that's entirely clear that that's their market, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so I'm going to be, you know, going into this with an inevitable blind spot. So if you have a certain feeling about what happens in this episode with what Kokoro does, or in response to anything that we say... I want you to tell us about it. Please hit us up at Warideshaw on Twitter, mm-hmm. or hit me up directly. I want to be educated. I want to learn. I'm more than happy to hear your thoughts. I might not necessarily agree with them, or I may very well agree with them, but I do want to hear about them, because Lord knows I don't for any moment want to come across like, you know, me or... Well, I can't speak for Dot, but I can certainly speak for myself on this. I don't want to come across like I know best on this, or I can approach this in the same way that other people can who are genuinely offended by what's going on. Like, you know, there's going to be that certain, like, you know, divide. So please tell us. Uh, please tell me. Please educate me. That's what I want. So with that out of the way, let's continue. Well, look, oh, go on. yeah. Uh, well, you absolutely can speak for me on that because I agree with everything you said. I mean, I know sometimes on this podcast, I, uh, everyone, like, talks authoritatively. And that's just sort of... A, for, way of presenting arguments that can be entertaining or funny uh trying to get our kind of points of view out there but you know it's a really good point to emphasize that like absolutely i agree with you i feel like in 
issues like this, like where it's touching on like experience that is very different from my lived experience. Mm -hmm. Like I, I want to learn also, I want to also be educated. I mean, we're both, we are both learning, but you can't learn enough and you can't hear from enough people and you can't listen enough to, especially us. Right. I mean, you, you, who are, as you say, like white, straight men, Bald. cis, like all, all the, all the privilege. I mean, we have all the privilege. So like, so yes, like regardless of like the, the arguments we put forward or like the way we kind of see things like, yeah, I mean, it's not, none of this is sort of absolute set in stone. Like I absolutely would love to hear. And just from hearing you uh, that has, has kind of recolored some of my thinking on it and made me think about this differently. But, but I'd love to hear from other people as well, because yeah, I mean, the things that we're going to talk about, like we could see differently, uh, if given, uh, the context, yeah, the lived experience and the context that other people have. Yeah. If I talk out of ignorance, I want to be called out about it. So I, I'm not ignorant in the future. So by all means, please throw your opinions our way. I'm more than happy to hear. Slap me across the face with your opinion. In 280 characters or less. <laughs> <laughs> As if it were a dead fish. <laughs> so, Doc, shall we talk about the Papa Don't Preach scene? Because that's really kind of what it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, the Nines uh, crash the party, right? Uh, while they are all talking to Kokoro. Uh, they being Squad 13. Mm-hmm. Um, the nine show up and say, Hey there, you had this book and you're not supposed to have it. I wonder where you got it. It's not here. Papa doesn't teach this horse shit. And you wouldn't have found it at any educational facility on any of the plantations. So what gives? Can I just ask, by the way, did you like, there's a moment when Alpha has the book in his hand and he's smiling and he waves it across his face and then he's mm-hmm. suddenly scowling. I initially thought. Yep. That's cool. And then I thought, wait, did he practice that? <laughs> Has he done that in a mirror? <laughs> like, it's a standard, like, that's a standard dad trick when you have babies. That's amazing. Is to hold up a book and then when you lower it, have a different facial expression and then do it a bunch of times and have different facial. It gets them every time if you have tiny babies. I mean, I just thought, wow, like, what next? Is he going to start doing card tricks? <laughs> is he a stage magician? <laughs> like, no, no, this is. My, he's gonna be like, and this is the elevator, and he's gonna walk behind the couch, <laughs> and like, disappear. And this is me catching a bullet in my teeth. <laughs> uh. So like, Kokoro drops the, the bomb right and says that she wants a baby. She wants to have a baby, and she's been thinking about it for a while. Yeah, we um, know that for a fact. We've seen her like nursing the doll that she's got, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, like, bef- even before she found the book, um, like, so a lot of times, I guess, in TV shows, like, they have to use shorthand to communicate to you kind of deeper insights about a person. They, ha- they have to do it in a way that is a little bit cheating, I guess. But Kokoro has been depicted since basically the beginning of the show as being quite motherly, very nurturing. She's often seen looking after Miku. Uh, they sleep together sometimes. Sometimes she lays her head on her. Um, like you said, the doll. She is the one that takes care of the plants. 
you know, she maintains the greenhouse, keeps things healthy, nourished, fed. You know, she found this book that has stirred this in her. Like, and was it already there? You know, I'm sure because as we'll come to find out, like these kids still have their emotions and reproductive organs. So they are all, and it's been said that the squad is all in puberty at the same time. And this is the first squad to be that way. So she's, that's where she is emotionally and physically. Wait, 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 wait. Just, I've just had a thought, you know, if they're all the first kids to go through puberty at the same time, but you need to have reproductive organs to, you know, pilot the Franks, how do you pilot the, fuck. Well, you can, I mean, have reproductive organs, but not be in puberty. Well, I mean, the boobs, particularly, like, you know, they don't come out until puberty hits. I mean, we discussed this before when they said they were going through it, but I'm like, you do realize that, you know, the girls are fairly fully featured. So, I don't know, whatever. I don't know. Girls are scary. Don't ask me these questions. Uh, Fuck. I, I, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It's not been consistent before. It's certainly not consistent now. So whatever. And hey, look, <laughs> you know what? Never mind. I won't say anything bad about the script writers and directors. I'll take it back. Never mind. No, that's my job on this podcast, Doc. Yeah, don't don't be taking away my responsibilities. Like, was it Futoshi or Zorame who says like, didn't Papa create us? Um, it was probably Kokoro was talking about yeah. like this is, you know, we can make babies. Like humans have the ability to reproduce, and this is how. Uh, and this is sort of, I think, she she kind of overplays her hand uh, and overstates her argument here to sort of proof that like she doesn't have the whole picture. She's like, this is how everything perpetuates itself, like all living things like reproduce mm-hmm. um, in this way. Which, you know, we know some things reproduce asexually and on and on. Oh, she says, this is why, like, there are boys and there are girls. So that, like, you know, the different sets of organs can come together and you make children. Like, that's why that there are two biological sexes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Alpha then says that the only purpose for having reproductive organs it's like you're wrong kokoro like the reason that you have them isn't to reproduce even though they're called reproductive organs yeah uh, <laughs> the only re- <laughs> the reason you're you right. have them oh my God. <laughs> the reason you have reproductive organs is in fact to a uh, pilot the franks why and i you know what that is an excellent question why that is an excellent like how like what's the what's happening there like what is the link exactly how does it work what are the mechanics like these are the things i would like to do about the best explanation i can give is that that's not genuinely the case yeah i mean it's probably much the same as everything else that alpha is spitting out here and it's all you know nonsense but I suppose one could then make an argument that maybe that they need to have the reproductive organs in place because all of the Franks are female and, of course, have... I mean, why Strelizia has boobs is beyond me unless they have served an actual technical purpose. But then because the women are piloting the you know, the consciousness in it, maybe it's like a body morphia thing. I'm really projecting yeah, super maybe. hard here. But in that <laughs> case, why even build them to look like that in the first place? Like, you know, this is... This is like pulling at the end of like a tapestry, not tapestry, sorry, a piece of cloth that's got a little thread on it. The more you pull, the more it unravels and you're like, oh shit, well I best go down to the local haberdashery, aren't I? So, I don't know. I Why it's a thing is beyond me, but I will say ahead of time, 
Alfred's not the only one to think this, as it turns out, but we'll get to that soon enough. Yeah, I just, so there's a point b- before that, like, where Co- I think Kokoro is still, still talking, uh, or the main person talking, and, you know, she's just saying, like, look, uh, up until now, we've thought our, our purpose in life has been to pile with the Franks. And this is what I talked about at the beginning of the episode, right? That Zorame and Miku, uh, are, you know, their sense of self is, is very bound up with, um, you know, fighting in a robot to protect the plantation and protect Papa and his interests. Uh, and she's like, that's not necessarily true. That might, it was, I think she had the literally, she says that might not be true. The actually, our purpose in life, like you can make your purpose to perpetuate the species, right? To, mm-hmm. to carry, to carry and nurture new life for the future. And she says something like that would make her very happy. And then that's when nine says, you are disgusting. And he's got like this look on his face, this fucking troll face look on his face. (laughs) You're right. And he says like, so I don't want to necessarily run down everything he says. If we want to like chop up the dialogue, we can later. But my thinking is like, he believes that reproductive functionality and gender are tied very very tightly together in other words biology and gender like are have this necessary connection you know if you if you biologically have like your reproductive purpose like is a you know to have the penis then gender wise you have to kind of conform to that male gender and if you have the vagina then you have to conform to female gender and that there's this like again there's this gender binary and on either side of the binary is this very tight relationship between gender and biology i feel like very like from reading things he says that this is the thing that he's assuming and espousing clearly this is what papa has kind of taught him and this is why like nine him or at god damn it i keep calling him nine alpha himself thinks this shit is gross and dangerous he thinks that gender is a, an inconvenient like he despises it as a as a construct mm-hmm. and like ikuno then i i'll tell you what i thought was going to happen i thought ikuno was going to be swayed by his by his speech because the only thing and the, the camera zoomed in on her, and I think rightly so, because the only thing preventing her from doing what she wants to do seemingly is her uh, is, is that she is female and that she is a woman. And that if she had these, you know, if she had a penis, you know, then, and she was the male gender, she'd be able to pilot with... Um, Ichigo? God damn it. Ichigo. Why did I forget <laughs> her name? The leader, Ichigo. And that's what she wants to do. Uh, and so I thought she would get on board of this gender is inconvenient bandwagon. Because, like, you know, why should that restrict her from doing what she wants to do? But apparently she has kind of a stronger relationship with her womanhood than that. And this was evidenced in the Boys X Girls episode when she is like, yuck, boys, I would like to stay this way forever where it's just us ladies. Because ladies rule. I like ladies. Uh, and she slaps the shit out of Alpha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's great. Before we move on from this, there's just 
a couple of quick things I want to address. Now, first off, <clears throat> I don't think it's unfair for me to say that Kokoro is one of two things as a result of saying this. She's either an imbecile or she's incredibly selfish. In fact, she outright admits... Saying which part? That she wants a child? Yeah. Now, okay, let me just clarify a couple of things before I go off into this, because I want to be absolutely clear on this. First off, I'm not saying that the axe itself is selfish. I'm saying that context is key. Two, if sometimes, you know, people have children because they not, you know, because it happens, you know, accidents happen. Contraception, no form of it is 100% effective. And people raise children in difficult circumstances and they raise them really well. Single mothers, single fathers, sometimes in, in environments, you know, like that are not necessarily suitable. They do what they can. However, can, may I ask you a question? Yeah, go on. Is having children ever unselfish? Probably like, not. To, no, to me, yeah. the, the act of having kids is inherently a selfish act. I would, yeah, I'd agree. But there's degrees of selfishness in that. It's, it, yes, but I fair enough. But I would argue there's degrees to that. Sure. So here's the thing about Kokoro's decision, right? And the context for this is that she basically came to the idea of wanting to have a kid from reading this book. Would you agree with that? Yes, if, I mean, if nothing else, it gave her the like, voice to it. Exactly, that is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, that, it like, gave her the voice for it. the The urges and feelings and everything could have been there before, but yeah, I mean, clearly none of them knew about about reproduction before. So yeah, I think the book is what what whatever rudimentary ideas were in the book have fueled her notion of of having a child and what that's like. Yep. So okay, here's a couple of things. I would imagine, like, and Doc, please feel, you you are actually a dad, um, so please fill in for me on this if you've actually had such books uh, when you had your kids, uh, or other materials. But would it be unreasonable for me, I mean, there's a long list of things I could say, but I'm going to keep this brief. Would it be unreasonable to say that if you had such a book that it would probably tell you about diapers? Oh, gosh. I mean, okay, so we, you and I have, have talked, right, about... Um what we think that this book might be is it is it a like sort of here's like what to expect when you're expecting i don't know if you've ever seen that book but you know i own that book it's a fucking thick book mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily a science book either about like here's what pregnancy is about <laughs> like this is how it happens and here's the where the egg goes and here's what pregnancy is like and here's what babies are like it's like hopefully it, not in that voice pretty um no, <laughs> it, it's um, it's pretty readable and for the layman, but it's a big book. Like the book that they have looks like more like a pamphlet. Yeah, and like... I mean the cover, the cover looks very like I don't know. So, so to me, I, I think maybe ascribing a lot of information to it, like that might not be uh, what's going on. But I'm, this is very speculative. I think less speculative on my part is to just say. Man, there's so much that she doesn't know mm. about pregnancy, about children, about what diapers are, about, you know, nursing and, like, tantrums and, like, just everything. I mean, she just doesn't know what her body's going to feel like. She Beyond what the book told her, which, who knows, but, like, mm -hmm. I mean, she doesn't know anything. And even, there are and there are people that, like, you talked about that, like, their circumstances are bad. And, you know, they're going, not that they're going to... um go to war in Quebec every day or anything but um like there are people out there that like buy you know some metrics 
probably should not be having kids. Nope. But they do it anyway, and they're way more informed than she is. Mm. So, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily take her to task really hard for, um, like, making a bad decision. And, and so, okay, also, she says she wants a baby, but, like, I don't know if, I mean... Yes, she almost jumped on Mitsuru, and they did end up having sex later in the episode. Spoilers. I think, no, 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 you're, you're not, Doc, you're wrong. It's not the acts of having sex. He put his darling in her franks. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I should have seen that one coming. Oh, you, uh, come on, come on. <laughs> I've, been, I've been holding that uh, in ever since <laughs> I saw the episode three days ago. I have been waiting <laughs> for the moment to drop that put on you. But, like, I I want to have a baby doesn't necessarily mean, like, right now or in these circumstances. Like, there's there's a lot. You know what I mean? There's a lot of variables here. Yeah. So I'm, like, like I was the last time there was a big Kokoro controversy. I'm decidedly on Team Kokoro. Well, I'm... Here's the thing, right? You You yourself said to me off cast that even if the book was quite comprehensive... You know, sometimes desires override, you know, sense. I mean, I would have thought, like, this is preparing yeah. for childbirth, so it should at very least tell her probably that pregnancy is nine months long. On average. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's not obviously the same for everyone, but that's the standard. And given that, you know, they have been discussing at length about how their environment can't hold out, even assuming they were going to start, like, you know, getting baby supplies in somehow from the airdrops or whatever, like... I again, ha- and isn't the is the book called "What's Best for Your Baby"? Like preparing. Maybe think, it's not even about. I think it's. What? I think it says preparing for childbirth. What's best for your baby? Oh, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Oh, preparing for child. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like it's just about like here's like the kind of bed they need. Here's some toy. Like yeah, like they need these diapers. Here's like some toys. Mm-hmm. Like who who knows like the it could be we just have no idea what's in it so yeah i don't know yeah i've already made this point i apologize no that's fine (laughs) um so i'm not against the idea of funnily enough making her out to be either an idiot or selfish i mean god knows there have been plenty of shows uh, plenty of works of fiction that i've read that i've watched that aren't even from japan of people doing silly things like you know I mean, I've I spent a long time on Twitter discussing at length how many things, you know, how many ways this is a bad idea given their current context. Again, I must stress, sometimes, you know, pregnancy happens and you don't expect it and you make the best of it regardless. And that's great. And people do raise kids well despite difficult circumstances. So I'm not, that's, yes. I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. don't want to come across like I'm calling people out for that. That's not right. And it's not fair. But I'm just curious, and this is, I suppose, not really a criticism of the episode, but just more me thinking to the long game. What is the point of this? Like, because the only points I can see on a character level are to make Kokoro look stupid or to make her look selfish. Well, I mean, it's... Well, the whole show, at least we thought, right? I mean, was about was about sex and sexuality. And it seems like this is, like, a logical kind of extension of that in some ways. Yeah, but it's making her out to be an idiot or selfish. I do... See, I just do not... I don't agree... Well, I mean, and like, again, I think the act of having kids, unless you're like, you know, in one, like a super oppressive society, it's like, have kids for the motherland. All I'm right, genuinely surprised that actually isn't it, the, <laughs> the plot of this. <laughs> like, selfishly, like, ha- having kids is a selfish act. So, like, she, I, I don't necessarily think she's any more selfish than anyone else that wants to stop like quit their line of work and 
have a kid or take a break and have a kid or, you know, change their life in the substantial way. I mean, I, I don't, she hasn't really talked about this or anything, but the fact that she says there are other ways to like live a good life than piloting a Franks indicates to me that like having a kid to her means kind of having a different way of life. Like then she's not going to be like nursing the kid and then getting into the robot. I, don't I was going to say, she, I don't, I don't, I don't think, think that's what's happening. I don't think maternity leave exists in this world. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Which is again, not her fault. No, that, that's a bad thing on the society. Yeah. Like I don't, and, and, and I think we can both agree at this point that this is not a failure in the right. No, like her wanting to make a seemingly impractical decision. And it is impractical. I grant that it is impractical given her constraints, but I don't think it's her being stupid. I mean, everyone's equally stupid on their side in terms of they're totally ignorant of what this entails. Well, I mean, I maybe I'm reading more into what the book would probably have. So I'm just trying to imagine what it must have said as opposed to going with, we don't know, so we can't buy anything. All right. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not really, I'm not really criticizing the show here for what it's, I'm just trying to figure out what the end game of this is because this whole sex agenda thing that it's done has been kind of pushed by the wayside until this episode. I agree. And I think that's very unfortunate because I felt like that was supposed to be the point. Yeah. In fact, comes to think of it, like, you know, how is, like, again, I'm reading into what the book might say here, but wouldn't Kokoro have made a link between the whole missionary thing and, like, oh, fuck, I, no, never mind. I, let's not think about that. Uh, it's not the Kama Sutra. It's just a well, we, well, we said before, like, the Kama Sutra <laughs> in Frank's land would just be one page long on a laminate. The other thing I wanted to bring up is a very specific line that um, Alpha says. Now, this line okay. confused the fuck out of me. And this is where, again, I must appeal to people to try and educate me on this or at least point me in the right direction. He says something to the effects of, and please correct me if I'm wrong on this, Doc, so I'm not misrepresenting, but, you know, okay. if we reject this, uh, referring to, you know, the idea of being emotionless, not, you know, the reproductive organs strictly for Franks and not for babies. Yeah, if we if we go back, yeah, if we if we go back to reproducing, not in a lab, but by you know sexual reproduction, yeah, then we return to conforming to one gender. Now, yeah, I had no idea what he meant by this because I like my my brain went in some weird directions with this line. Like, was he thinking that you know there was prior to this, it was a monogender society or something, and that that you know. That was what caused the class, but I thought, no, that can't be true, because the book, at the very least, must say that man... In fact, it actually does, because Kokoro confirms it, man and woman. So there were two genders prior to this. So what does he mean by one gender? Uh, I'm, I can't even really criticize, because I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I'm confused as hell. I I don't know. So, um, audience at home, uh, people smarter than me, please tell me how this is meant to read. I don't get it. I, I genuinely don't. It just kind of was like dividing by zero. Well, I think, it, I mean, it totally, it, that's an interesting point that you that you bring up. Like, but to me, like, it just read as um, each person would have to be a gender. And if we are reproducing sex, and if we are reproducing sexually, and that is the thing that necessitates each person conforming to a gender, then, like, then, the, ergo, like, why I think that he has this tight link between gender and biology. 
between your your sex, your reproductive organs and and traits and your gender. He he believes that that there is again a very very tight link there whereas you know, you and I think that that's not necessarily the case, right? And science thinks that that gender is a spectrum and there are all these different cases of people being born with uh one set of sex organs, but it's it's that's wrong. They are this other gender and gender dysphoria is a real thing and, yeah. and all this stuff. So he's he's very deluded, I think. Yeah. And and I think the whole one gender thing just means and again he's tying it to like remember the antecedent is if we go back to using reproductive organs for reproduction, mm-hmm. then each of us will have to conform to a single gender. So he believes the way to escape gender is the way to escape gender is to cast aside human reproduction. Mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of ways that, I mean, I, I agree with you that he is deluded. I mean, he's been fed much the same story as the next person, but in that case, it just passes the book on. But, that you can make a kind of nasty reading from that, in my opinion, that if that's the case, like I said in the one of our previous episodes, I think it was 15, that, okay, we have 13's kids on one side, distinctly het, all missionary, guys in charge, not getting pegged from behind by the girls. I know if I'd say that in my life, good God. Um, and then on the other, we have the nines. And yes, the nines are definitely the villains at this point, they even have villain music, just in case you weren't sure. Right. And of course, Alpha's amazing book-waving, you know, Jekyll and Hyde shit going on here. Yeah, the troll face. The troll face, who may or may not be, and maybe I'm really reaching here, but may or may not be, you know, cis. Um, I mean, at the very least, it has been proven on screen that, you know, Alpha um, is the one who's the pistol. He's the one who's, you know, le- on his knees in the Franks. So... Yeah, I really want to know more about this. This is a thing. This is a minefield. This is a minefield. Because as I said before, there are two ways you can read this. Either A, it's a plot hole because you don't necessarily need to have the pistols be women, or B, and the much worse one, is that we're essentially equating the heterosexual regular people, our heroes purportedly as the protagonists, versus the weird and strange and evil and trolly, you know, unusual. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> unusual potentially queer folk on the left yeah. and who boy that's not good for this like that's a that's a right that's a very bad that's a very problem yeah that, that's a problematic thing to yeah. do yeah we're gonna have to wait and find out i maybe you won't even find out at all <laughs> that's the more likely outcome <laughs> I, you know what i i think you would be in frank's benefit just to shut its mouth on this kind of stuff well so i i do think that like it's not all like oh the people with that are good and virtuous and have wise beliefs are cast in the villains role because as i said i think that uh the nines disseminated from papa uh have this like very toxic view of of sex and gender Mm -hmm. that's extremely harmful yeah so i think that they they have some bad uh, some straight up bad beliefs and, and traits, but but that it's still, I think, is a problem that they are all sort of different. Maybe in that way, maybe they are. Perhaps it's just, perhaps it's just alpha. But and then you know, on the other side of things, we do have uh, Ikuno is very much gay. So I think if you perhaps if we look hard, we can see that there are representatives from 
different groups on either side of this line. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'd like to say, if, if anyone could, you know, offer their thoughts on how they read this and maybe try and make more sense of it than I can, I'm more than happy to hear it. But, well, there's a thing that happens at the end of this episode that really just kind of, you know, has put the whole show into a black light for me. And I think that some people have seen what's happened in this particular scene in that way too. I mean, people, as I say, will have different reactions, different stuff. So, all I'll say is this. This show is treading some really fucking thin ice. In fact, it breaks the ice at the end, in my opinion. Now, if it does break the ice or not, in that regard, and then starts to sink, that's for each of us individually as, you know, viewers and audience members to decide. But I don't think, to be quite honest, it should even be treading this in the first place. I think that, given how little it's actually addressed the whole gender thing throughout most of its run, it should never have been brought up at all. I would have, I mean, I complained about, you know, the whole thing of the missionary position, the Franks being a gimmick. I actually would prefer that than them taking, you know, steps into this particular territory because I don't trust them to handle it well. And I don't think, given what happens at the end of this episode with lines from Zero Two, that they did. I think that they flat out just, I think they flat out just shot themselves in the foot. But we'll get to that in a bit because I've got a lot I want to say on that final set of lines from Zero Two. But yeah, thin ice here really thin ice i think it's really interesting like i'm very curious to see to see where they go uh with all this and yeah i mean i i don't i don't think that uh how do i say it? there's a gay person that's a good guy so <laughs> so i don't think it's all like um total normie like straight het cis on one side of the line like uh i, I think Kuno breaks that breaks that mold but um but yeah as far as like what they want to say and what alpha is and the rest of the nines like how they kind of like what's 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 their deal with sexuality like i yeah very interested to see like what what they say where it goes um so the next thing that happens is alpha equates like being ruled by your emotions or as the greek philosophers would say by your passions right uh with reproduction (laughs) insofar as these are both outdated things that humans don't need anymore uh which i thought was an interesting linkage there um isn't has he taken joy like would you argue that joy is an emotion oh yes he seems very joyful at times in how he plays with the feelings of those so like i think that his understanding of what emotion means like Maybe he thinks of it differently, but like when he says, you know, we should reject emotions entirely, like, well, they would be robots said. He's very much not a well, robot. Yeah. He, the, I, and he says being ruled by them. Okay, like, yeah. Them govern, govern your actions. So I think him experiencing some joy based on this rational plan that he's come up with, I think he'd say, this is okay. But like flying off the handle and slapping me, like that's being governed by your passions, and that is an outdated anachronism mm-hmm. so nana and hachi enter the fray yep uh they show up and nana is very mad that the nines have fucked everything up apparently uh, they were watching they've... by the way they like never mind the nines turning up they knew that kokoro was getting <laughs> up that stuff with the meat through in the greenhouse yeah because it was it was part of the experiment that they were part of with frank's like like we find out here in the next scene what all that is right 
Yes, um, we do. Or at least we could infer Nana from spills it. the beans, by the way, yeah. to Kokoro. And then, so, to the rest of the team, that, like, this whole time, they've been an experiment group, and they've been being watched mm-hmm. by Geodoktao. Indeed. Uh, and others. And we find out, God, we found out some stuff in this scene. We find out that children are the only ones to have reproductive organs. No. Uh, <laughs> because they're the only ones that can pile the freaks. Oh, right. This scene, right, the direction this scene, I felt like the person who did Battlefield Earth was directing it. Why were there so many oblique angles? What was going on? Like, okay, here's the thing, right? So, Kokoro actually does, you know, ask some very reasonable questions. It's like, okay, why do we need reproduct? Why are we? Why do we have reproductive organs then if we're not meant to reproduce? And N- Nana says, because they need to pile the francs. Only children have them. When she says that line, it's somehow like flip. Like if you've ever got a smartphone and you flip on its side, it looks like that. For some reason, it's at like a, a ninety degree angle, but you'd have to turn your head to see it right. And mm-hmm. the reason this framing exists is to remind you of the fact that Nana has melons, shall we say? She's well endowed. So yeah. she's talking shit, basically. And this then leads into a confirmation of something that I called out last episode. It turns out that Nana and Hachi, for that matter, were both parasites. They were both Frank's pilots when they were younger. And then they had their emotions scrambled, or possibly their minds, memories, something or another. And Nana kind of gets that, a little bit of that back in this when Kokoro starts arguing with her. Right. Like, so it's triggered by. Kokoro is saying, like, well, you know, if if not, if you don't, how do I say, why do we have the feelings we have if you, if you don't want us to be getting up to stuff? And that is when Nana has a headache breakdown. And mm-hmm. yes, and, and so she sends Kokoro away, right? Yeah. I have questions. I have questions. Okay, we asked before, like, you know, in the previous episode about, you know, the kids aging prematurely. Why is that not the case with Nana? Now, maybe there's an explanation for this. We might want to be tell it because this is getting really confusing real fucking fast. Yes, it is. I mean, it's unclear if she's had her reproductive organs removed uh, or, like, you know, or, or what happened or if she just went through emotional deprogramming again. Yep. Um, who who can who can say? Or you know, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe she is great, and maybe she's just got a great perming setup. You know, back at home. <laughs> I don't. It, yeah, it right. makes as much sense right, as right, else. Right. But much like everything else in this show, we could explain it. We could do stuff with mm-hmm. this. We could actually, you know, flesh this out a bit rather than having. Oh, be... they will. I think that they Where's, will. I mean, because like seventeen it's... episodes in, I don't trust them. I know. Well, I I I think that they're going to. Maybe not next episode, but they like so they they drop too much shit here to to leave it all. Like so, we have Alpha showing up right and says, "Uh, look, are you relapsing into puberty?" Here? Oh my! What the fuck does that even mean? Me never, she says, and she, she's you know this is when we find out like she's gone through emotional indoctrination like all the squads do, except. 13 that is a huge part of dr frank's experiment was to not put them through this but yeah that she just (laughs) clearly something's happening she tells hachi right that like you know this has been going on for a week and i've always been irritated watching the squad but like lately and something is breaking through 
uh, her programming. And yeah, it turns out that Nana is useless now, I guess. According what, to now? The now? <laughs> oh, now. Yeah, you got wrong tense there, mate. I mean, she's never been able to count properly for a start. Nine, nine tells Nana, you should never have relapsed with a new Nana. And he's saying that to Nana herself. I have no idea what that means. He's just, um, he's just stirring the, he's just shit stirring. That's it. <laughs> That's about it. And like, yeah. So, and Frank's, I guess, declares the experiment over when Nana is useless. And the kids now know they're being, or that they have been experimented on. He's like, well, I got some good data. Right. I have a couple of things I want to throw out there as well. First off, if Nana was a Frank's pilot, Frank's knew her when she was much younger. And then he decided to grope her in the very first episode. Classy. What a dickhead. The uh, the Woody Allen move. Ugh. Second, we've already spoiled ahead of time that yes, indeed, Mitsuru and Kokoro do, you know, put the, you know the ham rocket in the, you know, the wallet and all that. God. I'm, I'm quote, I was thinking of the best Bloodhound Gang line I could quote then. Oh, I thought you were going to delve into the Austin Power. <laughs> no, 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 no. So that <laughs> happens, okay? And Nana and Hachi knew full well that that's what Me- uh, Kokoro was trying to do and meets her in the greenhouse. Do they separate her from the rest of the kids and put her in timeout or solitary? Nope. Nice one. Idiots. We don't want you to do this thing, but we're going to let you run free to do this thing. Who doesn't want them to do the thing? (laughs) I think Nana, Hachi, and Dr. Franks are operating under a different set of rules. Like, Papa doesn't want it happening, but Franks clearly does. Well, Nana went off... Nana and Hachi are his pawns. Nana and Hachi were, like, very indignant about that, though. Like, Franks at no point said to her or him, let them do what they want. So, to me, they they should still be operating under the same rule, which is, you know, no nookie, no tookie, you know? Yeah, but he wants to learn about the development of humanity's original reproductive instincts. Ah, uh, so... Like, it, those are what... He, that's what he says, you know? Well, maybe it might have been better than if he had, like... If he really wanted, like, you know, to have them come together, like, maybe he should have put more pressure on to do that by possibly separating them. That might be one way of doing it. They wanted... They didn't want her doing that. But they don't then take any steps to stop her from doing that when they have her, you know, in custody, so to speak. I'm confused about who doesn't want her to right, do that. Nana and Hatchie go in and they say, right, we've overheard everything and you're not doing it. You're not fucking him. You're not fucking mm. anyone. Why? Right. And I'm asking why they don't keep... Okay, okay, okay. Why then they don't throw in her? Why don't they don't... Because I don't know. No one knows anything about sex and love. <laughs> Hero, Hero apparently is one of the only people who has like a modicum Zero of knowledge. Zero Two knows. But, that he hey. only learned from Zero Two uh, about what love is. I want to know what love is. What love is. Oh my god. I want you to show me. Just imagine that is playing over Mitsuru and Kokoro together. Well, sorry for that. I'm never going to dance again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, the great sax solo. Did you say sex solo? I. You know what? I'll just leave it <laughs> ambiguous. <laughs> we'll put we'll put a Twitter poll on that, folks. So you could write in. Um, okay. So the next scene, we're going to the Northern Crater in Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Yes! Snowboarding. Yeah. We're gonna snowboard. And it. the whole place yeah. is covered in Zerg creep. Wait, no, I mean, of course, Klaxosaur goo, whatever it is. I want to talk about this scene because this scene is inconsequential but also really funny. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Okay, so 
two of the guys from Ape, uh, Ape 1 and Ape 2, and three guards, that's it, have gone there. And they're going, these are the guys who were sent to you know where. So by the way, you know where was just where the Klaxosaur princess is. No great mystery. Why the fuck that was a thing in the previous episode, I don't know. Whatever. So they go there, and as they're going, to, they're going down a lift, and one of them remarks, I can't believe the Klaxosaurs have such incredible technology. And I'm like, you're, you're right, you know. Their lifts are better than yours. Yours were shit because they wouldn't come back up for Zarame in episode 10. Like, oh my god, the, the lifts in this place are incredible. Holy... I'm like, the fuck? What the fuck does that mean? And how in the sweet hell did they get permission to just go down? How, why are they just walking into the stronghold? Like, I would have liked to see the process leading up to... Do they just need to make a phone call? Yeah, I would have done this over like, Skype <laughs> or Discord. You know? Or, or or how about a million years earlier? I mean, I don't know. Or how Maybe, about from the of, same... of course, of course, this is a scheme, and they're doing this because you know they want to draw them into a trap or something. But I don't know. It just seemed like so easy <laughs> to just have an audience with the princess. Maybe the princess knew they were fucking idiots because they only sent free guards with them. I mean, <laughs> Sarah Kerrigan is not to be fucked with, no matter what you know interpretation she forms up in. So okay. These nitwits go there. Even if she's a banshee? She, she looks... Is she a banshee? Uh, <laughs> no, I just just mean that she her communication oh, was that, Oh, that. I'll get, and that. I'll get that. And the dial ended directly into her brain, like, whatever. Who knows what she actually said. Yeah, th- this that, is why I said it was... A, you know. Okay, so yes, the guys get there and they say, Right, okay, Sarah Kerrigan, you've been very, very bad, and we demand you to surrender. <laughs> and I'm like... They don't even get that far, uh, far do they? No, no they do. They, do, they, they, they like, do ask us to yo, surrender. They do ask us to surrender. That's after that one guy gets killed. No, no, they ask. Right no, no, the they definitely ask before. Really? Yes. Okay. They okay. ask before. We want you to surrender. Oh. We want you to bring this protracted war to a close. Oh yeah, no, they don't say surrender. They they just say like we've been fighting for ages, but it's time to resign to like consign this war to the history books. Just like they this, felt Saturday. like a like a peace envoy, but like. It turns out right before that guy dies, he reveals, like, well, we were just going to ask for your surrender. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more one-sided. <laughs> so, okay. The Klaxosaur Queen, Princess Sarah Kerrigan, screams, and apparently this is them hearing words in their heads. What are they hearing? I don't know. <laughs> I would like to have known. What was the point of this scene? pretense for war <laughs> wait a minute we're already having war by the way they also say you know you cannot i think they say something effective you cannot win or you're outnumbered or outmatched and i'm like guys did you not see the giant klaxosaur hand that came out of the earth that was bigger than anything you've seen before mm, baby hand i mean what hands and arms typically attached to a body so no I, don't be stupid not in Smash Brothers. That thing is still there. You are a fucking imbecile. So one of them decides, okay, if that's... You've, if that, you've also offended the hamburger helper. Oh, God. That hand is not attached to a body. <laughs> it's just a hand. Oh, my God. Same for the Hasbro hand. It could just be a Klaxosaur baby arm. It's the Klaxosaur, the, you know, the thing from the Adams Family. Do-do-do-do. <laughs> right, that's right. Do-do-do-do. Anyway, so, yes, one of them decides, okay, if that's Sarah Kerrigan, I'm going to be Phoenix from StarCraft. And like Phoenix from StarCraft, he attacks with side blades and dies quickly. Gets fucks up. Uh, the other f- lot of them get murdered by the so two serpents. <laughs> so, that's that. 
they're all dead, and she comes down and says, worthless human imitations or something like that. Yeah, human wannabes. Human wannabes. Human wannabes. What did... I wonder, like, was... Is it just ape? Is it just the, those robo-bishops she's talking about? Or are the Klaxosaurs really the humans? And the humans are just, like, plants or some shit? You know what? I don't know. I don't care. This show's not interested in telling. <laughs> show's not interested in telling us anything. This scene could have been ex- exercised entirely from this episode, and it wouldn't have made a difference. Because guess what? They are going to keep fighting the Klaxosaurs. What did you expect was going to happen? All right, I surrender. Anime's over. I mean, I'd like that, but hey, there we go. So no, this scene, pointless, utterly fucking pointless. Ugh. Yeah, it, this episode, it really does feel like okay, great. I, you've shown that the princess is badass. Maybe that's the point. Who can say? But it was pretty useless to send those people down there just to get killed. What that, does she do down there? Like Actually, a... what does she do down there all day? <laughs> she plays Twister with the twin serpents. <laughs> well, she's got an easy advantage because she's got the extendable, like, you know, blade wings. Mm-hmm. That's true. That she always wins. That's the advantage of royalty. She can't lose that. All right. So back no, to the never. magic meeting room. Oh boy, here we yep. go. Goro says, where do babies come from? The stalk. Oh, uh, yeah. And so the your favorite scene is when Zero Two, you know, they there's a there's discussion about reproduction. Like, hey, do you really think it's possible? Like, you know, we really lied to about this. And, and Hero says, like, well, maybe it's possible that we're able to do some things that, you know, either Papa doesn't know about or that, that Papa said we can't do. Sure, it's possible. And Zero Two ad- admits to them all that she is unable to have children. I don't know whether that's just a thing to her individually or to her species or, or what. Yeah, yeah, she's she's uh, sterile. Mm-hmm. I have many things I want to say about this. Many, many things. She's... But but wait, <laughs> she still has romantic feelings, <laughs> despite either not having the biological capability to reproduce or having it, but it not being able to work. So her very existence fly, you know, seems to fly in the face of Alpha's uh, beliefs. But yeah, uh, you, you have some things to say about her, the speech that she makes here about how wonderful she believes reproduction is. Aha. All right, folks. So I know that there's been going around in Twitter circles recently about the idea of, you know, politics and worldviews in anime, because people apparently don't want that because they assume that, you know, all writers are, you know, bred in boxes that can't be exposed to outside stimuli. Every work's political. <laughs> apparently. You you would think that. But... Yeah. Every work is political. End of story. I don't care what it is. That's what the regressive left would say, Shadon. Well, fuck you then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to dignify that with an actual argument, right? But here's the point, right? You can read into Darling in the Franks as well, certain worldviews. Like, I pitched one to you on Twitter while I was having a pint of Cronenberg on Friday. Okay. Which was that Darling in the Franks... Darling in the Franks' worldview is that it's okay to consume the youth to perpetuate the old. Oh, oh, you're talking about that? Yes. That's one yes. example. Which is, which is like, um, I think, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this before because I thought that was pretty insightful. And especially it is made clear, I think, in the in the Zoramaze episode. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's the government's view in that in, in, and the world's view there. That's what's, you know, right. And by howdy, can you can analogize that to a lot of things in actual real life politics right now? I mean, my country's divided pretty heavily on that and how... No, I'm not going to get into it, but I'll say that. That's just me throwing out there as an example. I can read it. And here's how I read this. Let's talk about Brexit. Shut up. No. I don't want to talk about it. Fucking... It was on a bus. They told us on a bus the way it would be. I want that bus to be blown up. But but it's not. No, it isn't. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> so, here's the way I read this. There are no... Like, the, when Zero Two makes this statement about how wonderful reproduction is and how she's jealous and envious of the others, that she can't do that. And she also says, you know, leaving something behind for the future. Uh, by the way, Doc, if at any point I misrepresent what she says, please correct me on that. Uh, same okay. same with you guys at home, because I don't want to... I mean, I have very strong opinions about this, but I don't want it to be colour color my objectivity here. I want to at least be fair. So here's how I read this, right? Because no one else in this group offers a counter-argument, or not even a counter-argument, just a, an alternative discussion, or even outright talks about it, the most we get about this is Hero going 0-2 out of sympathy. But does he have... By the way, he doesn't discuss that with her either and what that means to her. Like, that might have been an interesting conversation. But no, that doesn't happen, of course. Uh, so, to me, this does not feel so much like this is zero two. Like, all she's contributing is just stating that it's brilliant. Not why. So, it, to me, it doesn't feel so much it's like her as it is the show using her as a mouthpiece to make this statement. And then there are inferences that you can take from that. Which is essentially that if you can't have kids, or don't want kids... For whatever reason that may be, maybe because you're sterile, you know, if you, for example, I've said to Doc Offcast, you might potentially have a risk of ovarian cancer in your family, so you as a woman would have your ovaries removed, for example. Or, you know, of any other myriad reasons, or also because you might be LGBT... Not... Well, you can... You, <laughs> I'm really getting tongue-tied about it. It's just, you know what I mean, folks, right? You know, if you're, you know, attracted to... You know what I mean, you get it. I'm not one of the queers. <laughs> All I'm just I'm just trying not to get some trips up on that one, but you know what I mean sure. you know what I mean by that. If you don't want if you don't want kids or character Oh, by the way, this is also me not precluding a course that, you know, gay or lesbian couples can adopt. I think that's awesome. Right, but they're but they won't be uh, like but they won't be engaging in the reproductive act. Oh cer- presumably. Oh certainly not, no. Unless I mean there's insemination, but like the show is is talking about not that. No, nope, it's talking very strictly about bad, you know, Vagilin's course lead to good old six. Wow, wow, hot six. I did it for the nookie, the nookie, steamy. So you could get that cookie. Six. <laughs> Stop it! Oh God, please. <laughs> did that is the one reference I will not allow on this show. Is the Fred Durst? The Fred Durst references must not be uttered. Look right. Are you going to talk that way about my generation? Yes. <laughs> God damn it. Stop it. Stop it <laughs> right now. This is amazing. I found Doc's weak spot. This is excellent. God. This is the worst band in history. Straight up. No caveats. Worst front man in rock history. Look, Fred Durst. Look, Limp Bizkit. Doc, Doc. Terrible. Some, some days. You, Terrible. Some days when you wake up, everything is fucked. Oh my God. Everyone's I'm hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Back on track. So the point I was getting to after all of that was that my reading of this is the show is espousing a point of view that the only meaningful way that you can leave something behind for the future is through children. Now, don't mistake me here. You can do that by having kids. You know, 
kids are a wonderful thing. I would like to be a father myself someday, if I can. But that then, to me, from this, because there's no, again, no discussion of this. I mean, you might think Ikuno might want to throw something out there. Not even vague illusions. Like, I'm not saying she outright says, I'm never going to have children. But everyone's on board with it. No discussion, no counter-argument, no alternatives, nothing. Um, I think you could read this as being very exclusionary for people who don't want to have kids or can't have kids. And that, to me, is fucking heinous. That is a disgusting viewpoint. And I'll, I was thinking to myself, okay, I can get very indignant about this. I can start screaming and ranting like I did about the, you know, the people in the Frank space who are acting like, you know, absolute clowns previously. I could do that. But instead, I'm going to take a different approach, which is to cite someone from history that I'm actually quite fond of who never had kids, um, but who I would argue is responsible for B, the saving millions of, sorry, A, saving millions of lives and B, setting a foundation stone in place for the world of modern computing. And you may or may not know him, but that person's name was Alan Turing. Donald Trump. Oh, wait, no. Get the fuck off. Not even as a joke should you, you know, give <laughs> the orange troglodyte any airtime. Well, admittedly, He's, I did in Devilman. He gets, credit for, he gets credit for everything. Even when Darling and the Franks is good, we shouldn't be crediting Trigger. We got the... We should be crediting not Trigger, but tr Right, moving on before I get really angry. I mean, okay. Alan Turing. Now, I apologise if you already know about Alan Turing and know his history. I'm just going to restate it for those who don't so that I can... So people don't think I don't know or I'm not aware. He works in Bletchley Park in Cambridge during World War II and was one of the key figures, in fact, the principal figure in cracking the German Enigma machine through which, you know, they could then decipher German transmissions in the war and arguably saved millions of lives through shortening the war's duration as a result. So, at best, Alan Turing was responsible for shortening the war's duration. Um, at worst, he was responsible for stopping, you know, Nazi Germany from spreading across, across the globe, so that we would end up with, you know, the man in the high castle situation. And also, if you want to really take it to its logical conclusion, he also then saved the human race, because the Nazi agenda of, you know, Aryan genetics is... Well, if you've ever seen, you know, pure breed dogs and all that and how they become inbred over time and the health problems they suffer, long enough down the line, that would have killed off the human race entirely. So, yeah, maybe that's pushing it a bit, but he's certainly responsible for saving millions. And because of his work on creating that computer that deciphered the Enigma machine codes, he in turn also laid the foundation for modern computing. The very podcast that you are now listening to and that me and Doc have put together probably would not have been possible without his assistance, or if it would have been, like the technology that. All right, I've I've now flipped on him. He's a bad person. He is responsible for this. He must be stopped at all costs. Are you going to travel back in time? Do the the whole paradox thing. <laughs> you better. Um. Oh yes. So okay. So there's that. And like, if even if it, you know the technology still came about separately, it probably would have been delayed. So you know, maybe twenty years on, like you know, probably we're still on Sega Master Systems in 2018. Who knows? Here's the thing about Turing. Right, he was gay. And he had no children. In fact, he tragically killed himself because he was persecuted for being gay by the law at the time in the United Kingdom, mm. a quite criminal stain on our my country's history, to be quite honest. Uh, that was in 1950, by the way. We only actually got an apology from Gordon Brown, then Prime Minister, in 2009. And I think subsequent pardons were issued as well for uh, people who were similarly prosecuted on that law. Yeah, uh, 60 years ago, there's some pretty bad laws on everywhere the books everywhere and, and even progressive liberal democratic countries yeah exactly so okay 
when Zero Two said something about leaving a future behind for everyone else or leaving something behind the future, I think you can probably do no better than Turing did in basically ensuring that we were not living under Nazi regime or at least saving millions of lives by shortening the war's duration and also giving us the technological future that we now live in. So to this show, I say this. No. If that is, if that is your viewpoint that you are putting through Zero Two's mouth, it's wrong. It's factually wrong because of the existence of Turing and other people who haven't had children. You know, and I can think of plenty of other people uh, over like I've given enough time who fit that criteria, whether they're gay, straight, or whatever. So if this is the viewpoint that the show is espousing, that, you know, only people who have children can truly leave a mark on the future one way or another, be it because of the act itself or what their children can do, fuck off. I think that's absolute bullshit. This is the thing, like, when I was live-tweeting this, I didn't live-tweet that moment because it kind of sunk over me, but then the more I thought about it, the more I couldn't get it out of my head, the more it just bored deep into my brain. And the more I thought about it, the more I couldn't untangle that reading from, you know, what happened there. Like, honestly, this show to me is toxic waste at this point. I don't think it is, like... (laughs) I'm sure that people can take some positive things away. Like, we discussed that, you know, previously. But this reading, I think, may whether or not it's intentional or not, I think it's a legitimate one. And it certainly, you know, is exclusionary to people who can't or don't want children. I mean, certainly its views on gender, like, <laughs> with how it's treated, you know, the whole idea of heteronormativity. So, in the end, this closing moment, um, before, of course, you know, Kokoro meets through Do the Do, Just thinking of Mountain Dew can now. Can't help, can't not. Well, if you shake it up a little bit, you know, and then it all comes bursting out. Do it the Baja Blast. Oh my. So as far as I'm concerned, this reading I take of the show, like, I think it's legit. And on one hand, it might not have been intentional, but, you know, hubris and all that doesn't excuse what you can take away from it. So, no, this show is absolute shit. And it might potentially get better or redeem itself but this is the blackest mark of it. This is why I think this episode is the worst of the series. Because this is the viewpoint that I've taken away from it. And if you disagree, by the way, and you and you have reasons to disagree now, I'll feel differently. That's good. I actually don't want to be right about this. I don't want to actually proclaim a work, you know, to have that kind of viewpoint that is exclusionary to, you know, les- lesbians, gays, um, and people who don't want kids. And then have people go, oh, you're totally right, Shads. I don't want that to be the case. Like, you know, I'm not interested in scoring points for this. I want to be wrong. But that's how I feel. I can't... I've I've argued with Doc about this at length before this, and I can't divorce my thoughts from that. That's how I feel about it. And that, to me, has just permanently blackmarked this show for me. Like, I've seen some heinous shit in my time, but this is down there in the pits with them. So, thanks, Franks. Much appreciated. Well done. Do you mean no, Franks? No Franks, Franks. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Warrior Dash. <laughs> uh, well, Shadon, I hear what you're saying, and your feelings are entirely valid. This is why I like you, Doc. I respectfully uh, do disagree, and th- I think this is the part where, you know, if if people want to um, educate me... And me. ...in a, in a civil and uh, constructive sort of way... I'll be like, I'm totally open 
to to listen. But like, so the reading I took away uh, from it was a little bit different, and I think it was also kind of couched in, I guess, knowledge that like it it is evident that the birth rate in Japan is declining pretty rapidly and has been for a long time. And maybe, maybe this has to do with that. Like perhaps, <laughs> perhaps this is, uh, extolling, uh, the virtues of and, and painting as, as heroic, um, childbirth and, and parenthood to, to get that pro, like having kids message out there. Cause it's been a lot of years that, uh, the birth rate has been, has been, uh, falling. Uh, so, so there's, there's that. I mean, perhaps, perhaps that's, perhaps that's like part of a point they want to, to make. I'm not saying it excuses anything. I'm just thinking about like, what is the, what's the wider context of, yeah. of this thing that they're trying to talk I about? I was going to say, Doc, if that's the case, then A, that makes this show propaganda. Although I suppose that, you know, anything could really be argued to be propaganda if you read it in a particular way. And two. Yeah. And when it's not like, um, it might, it, I'm not saying it's like the government making them do it. That just, it just might be the viewpoint that they have come to. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't fucking know. Like, this is just, yeah. I'm speculating. And two, if that's the intent that they wanted to get at, it might be better if they addressed it differently because the, reason that i understand it that japan's birth rate is declining is because it's socioeconomic factors it's simply too expensive to raise children in that country that is a big part of it undeniable and that's not what they're talking about well, here though if but, that's the case but also uh, but also there's been interviews with a lot of young people that just just say that they're not interested in in sex or relationships for a lot of different reasons that i mean money's part of it but you know some of them are just like 3d is bad or you know i don't have i don't i don't have time yeah toxic toxic upbringings and toxic you know school environments um being responsible for that but franks is not covering that so you know well no i mean it's not it's not trying yeah it would it would not be trying to address all that stuff specifically yeah so if if they want if they want to make the point you know that having kids is a good and heroic thing that's all well and good, but that's a very, very surface level examination of what is a genuine issue. They would honestly have been better not to bother in that case, or if they were, they should have constructed the entire show around that. Mm-hmm. Well, so, the, so this is not, <laughs> again, that's not my like an argument for this point of view, or even necessarily what I think. I guess I'm just like postulating mm-hmm. like, that this is a thing. That you know, I'm sure is rel- very relevant to them and very relevant to their audience. You know, the country's birth rate and what what have you. But okay, so I'm going to actually address uh, the things that you that you talked about again. All the while knowing that, like, I do I do see how like that you might think, or anyone might think, that the show in this episode uh, is exclusionary. But I don't, I don't think that the arguments that the show is making are that strong. I don't think that it is, that it is doing that. I think it might leave itself open to that charge. I mean, clearly it has because you've you've brought it to bear. But I think a thorough examination of of what they're saying and not saying, to my mind right now, it it, it doesn't it doesn't go all the way there for me. Like, yes, zero two says you guys can determine your future with your own hands and 
you can have these you can have children you can bring new life into the world and leave something behind for the future she doesn't necessarily say like you can make the world a better place like she's not saying that doing anything other than having kids like is is not a way to make the world a better place like piloting in the franks right defending the plantations all that stuff they are fighting for whatever reason they're doing it right we talked about zorame and miku fighting for papa's interest to protect the plantations they're clearly making the world a better place they're fighting for the future um zero two is talking about like leaving something behind and she thinks it's wonderful and it and it is like i mean having kids bringing new life into the world um for all that stuff uh is is wonderful yeah you won't hear a disagreement from me on that point i absolutely am with you on that and i i think it's an opinion that can be put forward without the need uh to to have caveats because like so what they're not saying is uh not leaving something behind for the future is the same thing as being a bad person they're not saying uh if you can't have kids and contribute to you know hope for the future new life then fuck you you're bad uh that i think is over determining and over interpreting the things that they're saying which is just reproduction is wonderful it is leaving something behind for the future it's special me zero two i can't do it i'm envious of you that can um maybe maybe not she doesn't speak for all people who can't have kids i mean i think i think to say that she is speaking for all those people is is again over uh over interpreting the argument and at no point did they say that that's the only meaningful way to leave things behind for the future they say it is it is a way it is wonderful it is doing that but they're not saying other ways don't exist i mean they all did just find out about reproduction and how crazy and awesome it is. So, like, I guess, I guess for me, it would sort of break the fourth wall almost and be kind of insincere and untrue to the moment and what these kids know. If like someone came in from off screen, is like, actually, there are five other ways that you can contribute to leaving something behind for the future, like. They want. They're just learning about this, and they're talking about it, and they're making. They're making a positive point about it, and like I don't feel like every time you kind of make a make a point and say something is good that you necessarily have to then name all the other goods. Mm-hmm. I have. I just have one thing I want to say, which is that if that scene did exist where someone did burst in and say that, I wanted to say it in that exact voice you did. <laughs> the, the like, let's learn about things together that voice <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> that's amazing um so like i'm i guess i'm curious like specifically what did you what would you want them to say like um what would make it what would make it better for you like what would another character have to do to like say disclaimer this is not the only thing or whatever i am actually going to counter by saying that i don't think any other characters feed i don't think zero sushi has said that at all I'm not sure what it adds to their perspectives other than just to reaffirm it so it can be dropped. If they wanted to have that conversation, what they should have done, uh, or rather have her reveal that fact, is to have a discuss it in private with Hero and then go into depth on it. That's why I would have devoted the time to. That would have avoided the issue. 
It wouldn't have made it like, you know, as a preaching kind of thing to the rest of the group. And we would have gotten something interesting about it that she could confess that in private here and they would discuss that. See, it didn't feel, it didn't feel preachy to me. It just, she just talked about how wonderful she felt it was. Like, it, that did not feel like a... Maybe preach is the wrong word. Like some sort Pre- of agenda, may, may, you know? Maybe just more of a broad proclamation here that doesn't go coward. Like, I'm just saying that I think that, that you could have done it differently by simply not having her do that. I mean, I'm not sure what it adds other than just to reaffirm what they've already decided. Other than, of course, giving us information about Zero to herself. But, like I say, you could have conveyed that differently in a private discussion. But you don't, don't you want the group to be talking more? Though? They don't ever talk about anything in this show. <laughs> they've talked about, they're talking now about, about all that, like, trying to, like, the end of last episode, they sat around and talked about, you know, how f- they're afraid of their immortality. I guess here, they're talking about, like, you know, uh, I, maybe, like, <sighs> You know, just, just despite the fact that they are going to die early, like how did can... how do they know that though? That's the thing. Like we we got. I know, I know, I know. And but it's, this discussion isn't even conti- like depending. Like it doesn't depend on that discussion. No, it's not no, no. Upon that. I well, just mean like they're talking more as a group, um, which is I think good. No one discusses or brings up their own, or not even affirms it. Like there's no there's no response at all from anyone. As I say, I think that you know I I see where you're coming from about the idea of having more group discussions. That's something I'm always up for. But if you really want to do this properly, I think it might have actually been better in many ways, as I say, for it to have been a private conversation between Hero and Zero too. Like where she says, you know, hey, you know that thing we're all discussing? I can't do that. And he goes, oh, okay. And then she starts talking. About- and then never tells anyone else in the group. <laughs> there is some, look, there are, there are some things that I think that, you know, should be group discussions and some things that shouldn't be. Or maybe they could, you could mm-hmm. do both. But I think that to answer your question to how I would have done it differently, to get around this issue so it doesn't feel like it's a, you know, her as a mouthpiece, is to keep it as a private personal thing. You know, so like Ikuno says in this very same scene, which is by the way the big the big Oh yes, the, I was gonna bring this up. The big yeah, hint, yeah. you know, everyone has secrets. Which is also the big hint that she is, you know gay. To quote to, to quote Denzel Washington in uh Trading Day. Everybody got secrets. Indeed. So, yeah, that's my viewpoint. It Now, I'll just say for the record, folks, me and Doc, of course, feel very differently on this, much as we have done about other things in this show's run. Um, but I get but I get you, like, at the same time, like, yes, like, I'm offering, a, like, a viewpoint of it, but what you say about her, about Zero Two proclaiming it to the group uh, and then them having kind of a quiet moment, I mean, I, I really do, I do see where you're coming from about how that scene could be seen as, um, a, a, as preachy in a way. I mean, I get, I get why you said that. Yeah. I do. Now and, that you've fully stated that, like, I, I do, do see where you're coming from. And conversely, Doc, I absolutely get your trade of logic as well. I just feel differently about it personally. But neither you or I are right or wrong on this. It's just, as, as we've said before, folks, this is the thing about art, even really troubled and bad art. Or, or, you know, problematic mm-hmm. art is that, you know, people yeah. will read different things from it. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah, and I, and, uh, totally, and totally. to throw out to the floor, I would very much again, like I've said before, like to hear people's viewpoints on what I've said, uh, my reading, what Doc's reading was, as long as we're all polite and civil about it. You know, mm-hmm. whether if, mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing, right? Darling in the Franks, in my opinion, is absolute shite. But, 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 I don't I don't regret my time watching it 
because I would, I mean, I would have abandoned this show casually weeks ago if I was watching it on my <laughs> Months ago. But, but yeah, weeks slash months. <laughs> I mean, if I hadn't done this episode, it would have been the breaking point for me. But I have to say, like, you know, there is a certain joy to be found in discussing so far. So that's why we're doing mm-hmm. this. I mean, I'm having a blast doing this, even though this show is shockingly bad, in my opinion. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not great. <laughs> I'll say that. We can agree about oh, that. Oh, we certainly can. Uh, and we can certainly agree about Fitoshi being a twat. Oh my god. Such a twat. Um, I've never heard you say that word so, before. Twat. 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 Uh, I, this is, I, I'm gonna now, like, make an app where I, like, am the voice of Britishisms for America. <laughs> and they are learning them. And I could be like, Tosser. <laughs> twat. Knob end. <laughs> Bellin. I've been having such a bad influence on this guy, folks. You have no <laughs> idea. Don't give me stick. <laughs> Speaking of giving stick, he's having one. Oh, I, that was. I'm so happy with that segue. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the thing. You know, this is the moment we get to now. Of course, where Kokoro's weeping into a bed. Mitsu comes in. Oh shit. Oh yes. Yep. And then you know. Let's get it on. The sex. Yeah. So that happens. Halt. I have I have some thoughts on this, and these are mostly either minor observations or just what I found funny because I have a demented mind. The boys and the girls, as my understand it, all sleep in shared dormitories. So how on earth... Not anymore. <laughs> well, well, no. Uh, Hero and Zero no. <laughs> 2 are the exception because they're sleeping in the attic in her room. But mm-hmm. why? how on earth, like, the rest of them didn't think, wait a minute, where have they gone? It's beyond me, <laughs> but and that's not a bad thing. That's just me being pedantic and nitpicking. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, uh, God damn it! Mitsuru put a sign on the door before he came in. If the room is a knock, is a knock, <laughs> don't come say a knock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mitsuru, you're testing your bed springs out. What's going on? <laughs> Zorame is like, what is this noise? Zorame tries. There's to all cl- sorts of grunting <laughs> and. Screaming. <laughs> Miku! Miku, what's happening? Mitsuru, are you stabbing Kokoro? And he goes, yes. Just just kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Oh I, my god. I, I, have to, I have to think, like, you know, obviously they're both, you know, virgins. And I can test this. When you lose it, when you lose it for the first time, when I said, what do I mean first time? There's only one time. God, what the fuck's wrong with me? Um, when you lose it, it's awkward as fuck. <laughs> so I'm just imagining that Mitsuru is probably playing this out much in the same way as he was actually piloting the Franks. He's like, where's the weapons, boys? Where's the handles? Like, <laughs> how do I... Or maybe, look, maybe, they, maybe they're really good at it because they've had a lot of experience in the position. That's the only position. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. And I'm gonna tell you this as well, right? There's a short and fraud little moment in my head with this whole thing. I want to imagine, because I'm an evil bastard, that the walls in this place are not particularly soundproof. And so, somewhere else, wherever the boys are sleeping, Goro and Zorame are fast asleep. Zorame's out like a light. <laughs> I know and, what you're gonna say. And Goro is asleep. <laughs> And sitting there, hugging his knees, hearing, <laughs> hearing it in the distance, <laughs> hearing, hearing the noises, is Fatoshi. 
<laughs> and he looks over to the corner of his bed, and there's Dochan. And Dochan is mouldy as fuck. And <laughs> he's just there, rocking back and forth. Just crying into the bread. <laughs> Why do all the people I love leave me? And you know what? As as someone who has been woken up by someone else having very loud pig sex in the night, <laughs> it is kind of annoying. But here's the thing. The Toshi, as I've said, if he became roadkill, I would put him two thumbs up. <laughs> two. Would you then like the show? <laughs> yes. So, as far as I'm concerned, if Kokoro Mitsuru kept him awake all that long for hours straight and he wakes up in the morning with bags in his eyes you know big enough to hold groceries in I would say you deserve it dickhead oh lord oh Oh my god I'm a very vindictive and evil person what can I say I'm just I'm glad like this episode you know in the middle of it we have Mitsuru finding out from Hero like hey I actually love Kokoro like I want to know more about her. Like, I, I, yeah, that's what it means. Like, that's what I want. I'm in love. And then when she tries to leave, him saying, like, no, like, don't go away. Like, I, I want to make you happy. Like, I want to take care of you. Like, this is all really nice from such a, like, previously, like, just cold, calculating jerk. So he's changed a bit, as Hero said. And that was good. Cool. Uh, so after uh, that, is that when we hear Zero Two restate her thing about, uh, you know, all things come to an end and yada yada? Yeah, I, I think so. And then the Robo Bishops again, finally. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, he told uh, he he told Nana he was going to be informing Papa and. Sure enough, he shows up. So, so to... he told on him. He, I'm going to tell on you. <laughs> yep, I'm going to tattle on you. What a grass! What a grass! Papa says something interesting that the Claxosaurs will feel the pain of having Earth scorched by their own creation. What does that mean? That's that could mean a lot of things. That could be interesting. Every time that you follow up with that at this point, I just I'm like, stop being obtuse. Show just say what you want to say. I mean. <laughs> That we will definitely we'll definitely find out what he means by that. I mean, if the Claxosaurs don't mobilize to like fight or whatever, then what are we even doing here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's Eden, folks. It's a lovely garden, but they're gonna have to leave it now and go back to the. Ah, uh, yes, the well, that's why it's Eden, isn't it? The fruits of knowledge. And what happened when they bit for the oh. fruit of knowledge? <laughs> Mitsuru's tasted the forbidden fruit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kokoro got her hands on a snake, all right. God! <laughs> I will not stop with these innuendos. <laughs> I have a filthy fucking mind, and I will use it. <sighs> yeah. Ah, one episode. What a piece of shit. Oh, it was not a piece of shit. It was. It was fine. How would you rate it, then, it Doc? How would, you ra- how would you race it? Uh, I, you know, probably higher than you. Oh, I I, I already know I'm going to race it, and I can guarantee that's going to be the case. Well, not entirely guarantee, but I feel very confident. So, again, let me say, like, you know, my, my reading of events 
is not absolute and with i'm generally i usually take the line of like if it's if it's hurting people like even if it's art like why like why do it that's that's not a good choice so far like the way i kind of mostly read this is that this episode is not trying to be hurtful so i'm not gonna like hold its feet to the fire from that uh but again i'm willing to be corrected about that uh and you know if you were hurt by like the stuff in this episode uh, i'd like to have a talk and, and find out like hey you've heard what i had to say what do you think about that and like hey and, and not even fuck just edit that out and just make me say i'm amazing and sensitive no <laughs> i i want to hear from you so right same here as well i must say yeah uh having said all that like i found this episode pretty entertaining Some interesting ideas being presented uh clashes of ideas um some resolution to a mystery finally so again some i feel like some progression with other mysteries uh there's drama there's intrigue sex there's some laughs uh i had a good time i'm gonna give this episode i'll say three and a half sexual encounters out of five wow <laughs> three and a half aw- three and a half awkward teenage sexual encounters out of five was was the half like you know brewer Street? Yes. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. Alright. I'm just going to go right in on this one because I've said everything I need to say. I, I think this episode is basically, you know, depleted uranium. It needs to be put in a barrel and dumped in the ocean or fired into the sun or into space. I am going to give Darling in the Franks episode 17... One out of five Robo Bishop masks. One out of five human wannabes. Yep. <laughs> Just the one. Wow, okay. Quite low. Yep. The only reason I gave it a one and not lower than that is because at least they kind of saw I kept the technical elements up to standard. Although I thought the angles during Nana's scene were just fucking weird. <laughs> but otherwise, the entirety of the episode was either, to me, dead air, plot holes or inconsistencies characters acting like idiots or the stuff I mentioned at the end and other stuff that you could probably infer from other scenes which is just flat out toxic. I d- cannot think of a single moment in this scene that I like, uh, sorry in this show that in this episode that I liked that I didn't conjure in my own head such as seeing Futoshi suffer. You know what? Take a quarter point off for Futoshi in this episode. Bring my rating down. Fair enough. So I'm very sorry to say, though, that the, the show does not get points for things that I insert into my own head canon to make me feel better. I shouldn't have to do that in the first place. So, one out of five, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the lowest score I've ever given on Stream of Thought. Yep. And it's probably going to be the lowest yep. score for quite a while. Oh, Lord, Lord. Please deliver us from bad anime. Well, we're not quite done, Doc, because we still have to, of course, talk about the post. We are not going to get. We have to get delivered oh. from bad people as well. So, picture this, right? Picture that you're me, and you're on Twitter, and you see something about Darling in the Franks, because Twitter's kind of got an algorithm going that, you know, spots that you type about it and thinks, maybe I should show you more of that. You know, in the same way that... <laughs> in the same way, you know, that if you order, you know, like, bad food from a restaurant, it'll keep serving you more. Great, fantastic. Um, 
And I'm going to hand it over to Doc now to read over this post because, oh lordy, oh boy, is this a is this quite <clears throat> a statement? Uh, this, I believe, was from Reddit. Um, fire away, Doc. Just just go because there's no way to prepare for this. Um, apparently, um, Papa was a gender studies professor before he became a brutal dictator. I mean, um, part of what makes this show fascinating is, uh, the more I watch it, the more I realize this is the 1984 of our times. Mm. Trigger is looking at all of the gender studies ideology that is being promoted and trying to figure out where it could all go in several decades. The lecture on gender from 9 Alpha doesn't differ that much from what I've seen on Twitter. The concepts of controlling reproduction has been done for decades in science fiction, but this is the first time I've seen it attached to uh, the gender studies ideology. Thank you very much. Take take a moment, folks. I know I did when I read that. Uh, do you want to go first on talking about this, or shall I, Doc? So, this in isolation, the the only part that like <laughs> makes me just like shake my head is comparing this to 1984. This is not I mean... even remotely the same kind. Of... <laughs> I mean, it's dystopic. Of okay, but that's like, it. That's the only like. There's no kind of. This is not even. Not in the same league doesn't sound strong enough. They're not playing the same sport. They're not in the same galaxy. No. 1984 will be remembered for long, long, long after I'm dead. Well. And uh, not the show. Here's, here's <laughs> the thing, right? Here's the thing. As it so happens, when I was in college, which was um, late high school for you people in America who have different terms and us, you know, superior Brits. Um, right. When I was... Sorry. <laughs> when it got me A-levels. That's exactly what I was doing, as a matter of fact. So I did an A-level on dystopian fiction, and you might not be surprised to hear that one of the texts I studied was, of course, 1984. I mean, if you didn't, that would be malpractice. Uh, it's fairly set text. It's like, you know, not studying yeah. Romeo and Juliet at some point during your English degree mm-hmm. or your English course. But anyway, so I have, think I can talk with some authority on this. What 1984 was about... Um, why it's actually made it more relevant recently is the idea of controlling information and rewriting history. Fake news, ever heard that term? That's pretty much what of you. Know, What's that? It's fake news. It's very, it's very, very fake. I mean, you know, what is um, what is the news? Well, the news in 1984 is that halfway through a speech, one says, "No, we're actually at war with this place instead," which is of course made of bollocks. So, no, 1984 was Orwell's treatise on how governments if taken to their nastiest extremes, could control information to control the populace. Is, isn't it about two siblings? Isn't it just about big brother and little brother? I've, That's it, right? I have just realized, I've said this before, but every time I think of that, I think to myself that when this is in Japanese, it reads, Oni-chan is watching you. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't... Yes. Oni-san. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same menace, does it? Um, so... There is, of course. They would probably, since it's a term of art, yeah. it would be like Buraza. Yeah. In the book, there is, of course, Winston and Julia's relationship, and they do fuck. So that happens. Clearly, it's the same as Frank's. Case closed. Yes, that is the common element. There is fucking. <laughs> uh, but it's not anything to do with gender. Like It's just literally, you know, he meets her as someone who rebels against the party, and they kind of get a thing going. Cool. Great, uh, but that's not the point of the book, not even remotely. 
I will say, thinking back to 1984, that Franks does at times feel like a boot stamping on a human face forever and ever. Quoting that straight from the end of the text there, when I think it's Goldstein is laying it down on Winston that he's totally fucked. I need to reread that book, actually. It's a damn good read. Um, mm-hmm. However, um, I will say that the idea of Al- Nine Alpha, you know, talking like a Twitter troll, that is actually quite appropriate, in my opinion. <laughs> sure, I, I, sure. I, I can totally imagine just being there, like, I'm just to own some fucking... I can't tell if this person, though, thinks... It's hard to understand the side that he's on, because so the lecture on gender from Nine Alpha doesn't differ that much from what I've seen on Twitter. Is he saying that that's good or that's bad? Because I see shitty, you know, intellectual dark web assholes say things like, there are only two genders, just like two sexes. Like, but is he saying, I, I'm very unclear on like what his understanding is of what Alpha 9 is saying. Yeah, I don't even know. Well, I know. I, never mind 984 or Twitter. I don't think this person has actually watched <laughs> Darling in the Franks. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> because it says here, Trigger is looking at all of the gender studies ideology that is being promoted and trying to figure out where it could go in several decades. If in several decades we have a post-apocalypse in which Klaxosaurs become a thing, then maybe I'll buy that. But the world is a product of the apocalypse, not the dystopia. The dystopia is the after effects. That's the key thing mm-hmm. here. And that's the thing that this person, who presumably has watched this show, has missed. Um, much in the same way, you know, that they went to 1984 as the immediate, you know, one-stop comparison to dystopian fiction. Whereas in reality, if they wanted something about, you know, sex and reproduction, the better, although still not great comparison, would have been The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Because that is about controlling reproduction. Mm. I was thinking Brave New World, but... Because I, also... I haven't seen Handmaid's Tale. I've read the book. That was the... In fact, Brave New World and Handmaid's Tale were the other texts I studied along with 1984 during my English A-level. So, hey, both of those are more valid comparisons for a variety of reasons, but insofar as actually reproduction, Handmaid's Tale. Mm. And then, of course, Brave New World with, you know, the whole decanting idea and the stuff I discussed previously with the alphas, bases, gammas, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and then in that society, like, has has not got done away with... They've done away with reproduction, but not with sex. And, and Frank's has done away with the whole idea of, of love and sex, whereas... Brave New World, promiscuity is a citizen's duty. I can't remember if that is from the book or from the television movie. There was like a made-for-TV movie that was pretty good, um, that adaptation of Brave New World. But the idea, either way, whether the pithy saying is there or not, the idea is that you're supposed to have sex with as many people as possible to fulfill those those human needs, but you're not supposed to love anybody. So yeah, so yeah I don't know. Like that, not Not quite... Uh, Darling the Franks either. No. Uh, also, Trigger is looking at all, all, everything <laughs> of the gender studies ideology that is being promoted. A1 doing nothing. <laughs> because yeah. this is a this is a good element of the show, so A1's got nothing to do with F- it. <laughs> First off, uh, that is being promoted. What specifically? I don't get the faint impression this person could name a single ideology. I'm surprised they spelt the word right. Two, no, the show is absolutely not promoting all of it entirely. I mean, it certainly has not mentioned anything about intersex for a start. So, no. that This is bollocks. This person who wrote this... They're probably very young. They're probably I, very I stupid. <laughs> Which is uh, not uh, mutually exclusive. <laughs> no. In fact, the former often uh, necessary connection to the latter. Yeah. 
what I'll say as well is that the reason that we're bringing this up is that in the context of the show and the person who retweeted this, they said the show needs to be very careful about what it's communicating. And I think that's true because as I've said before, yeah. this show is a confusing yeah. hodgepodge mess at best. I think that's totally the right thing to say on, on your behalf and, and the tweeters. Um, totally right. So much as I might take the mick out of this particular person, if that particular person can come up with this conclusion, God knows what anyone else can read into it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this person, it, gosh, it feels like the, it, it's hard to make heads or tails of it in some ways, but I feel like they're saying that Trigger is sticking it to the SJWs. It really would surprise me. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's everything, folks. Thank you all very much for listening. i uh, going to wrap up very quickly. You can find me on Shade and Tencent at Twitter. Uh, Doc, where can they find you? At the subtle doctor. Indeed. So please do come back to us with your opinions and what we said on the episode. Thank you very much for everyone for listening. Uh, anything else you want, Doc? Uh, just, you know, check us on SoundCloud. Check us on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play if you get your podcast that way. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel if you search Watery Test Show, where you'll, you can find the entirety of these streams of thought and clips of our much longer, uh, more comprehensive uh, podcasts so check all that stuff out and like shadon said please let us know what you think of our bad opinions everyone thank you so much for listening and we will see you if not before next week where we talk more darling in the franks and for shadon i'm the subtle doctor saying embrace each other everyone to the ends of the universe mm-hmm.